It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 169. Nice. <laughs> Let's roll. And uh, Super Bowl week and uh, Senior Bowl week all in one. Uh, you know, obviously as a Dynasty show, I think uh, Senior Bowl bigger than, greater than Super Bowl, you know, for us uh, uh, us spreadsheet virgins. But in all honesty, you know, the Senior Bowl has been a a source of a lot of great players, you know, whether it be Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin. I mean, year after year, Puka, Nakua, Tank Dell last year. Uh, There's always some gold in them, their hills, and nobody, nobody better to mine for that gold than my guest this week, the great Thor Nystrom. I am so happy to bring Thor on the show. This is his third visit on Senior Bowl week. Uh, I just love it, man. I love that this is an annual tradition. Thor Nystrom, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Awesome to be back. I'm doing well. I told you it wouldn't be post-Senior Bowl week if I wasn't talking to you. I guess a couple years ago we did it in the rain when I was when I was in Mobile, the, the day that got rained out. But yeah, it's become a yearly tradition. I'm excited to talk about some of these prospects with you. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. And, and you know, being on the ground, you get so much more, you know, uh, you know, so much more of a feel of these guys. I think, you know, Debo famously walked in there, you know, basically with his penis out and it was like, kind of <laughs> like, yeah, this is my, this is my show homies. And everybody was like, yes, sir. Um, so, you know, he just sort of owned the room and, you know, you, you don't get that on uh, on film. You don't get that uh, in the data. You get that by being on the ground and sort of seeing how these guys handle themselves. My understanding was Tank Dell did the same thing last year. I, I don't know about his his, his, his uh, private parts, but, I mean, he walked in like he owned the place. Um, but, uh, you know, all that and more. But I thought I would get to, you know, the other S Bowl, the Super Bowl with you real quick. Well, I, I feel weird, like, having a fantasy football or a football podcast and not even mentioning the damn Super Bowl doesn't feel right. Um, but we'll hit it quick because I know your time is valuable. But I'm just kind of curious who you got winning this thing. For me, the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe the Chiefs. You know, I, I do more of the college football betting for work. 
So I'm not like the expert with the NFL spreads. But that being said, I'm fairly stunned the Chiefs are underdogs. I yeah. like I, I literally don't understand it. You have the team that has by far the better quarterback. They have yep. objectively the better defense. They have yep. the better coaching staff. They've been playing better now for what a, a month plus, two months. I like I I just don't really understand. And they're more experienced in this spot. Uh, yeah. I I and then the other team's head coach is a guy who consistently chokes in these spots. I I yeah. I, I just I really don't understand it. And then last year when these two teams played, you know, I, Jimmy G was the starter at that time. Although Purdy got some time in, the Chiefs absolutely destroyed them. Uh, yeah. I, I I feel like the you know there's a big mismatch when it's Spagnola against Purdy when you're doing that kind of chess match, and I feel like Spagnola is going to drag Purdy into deep waters, you know, yeah. with, with, with the different looks he's going to give him at the line, the simulated pressure, the six man pressures, the exotic coverage looks that they're going to give him. Um, Purdy can only be the the skill, the elite skill talent that the 49ers have. That can only play up when Purdy isn't super duper confused, right? Like, and and if yeah. he is, you know, in his own head and different stuff like that, if Spagnola can indeed do that, you take the 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 tent pole out of the middle of the circus tent and the whole thing comes down. I I think beyond that, Pat Mahomes is gonna take care of the rest of this thing. I, I don't yeah. just like the cheese. I, I, I took them on the alt lines at my books, like all the way up to, you know, I have like the cheese minus three and a half, the cheese minus six and a half, cheese minus seven and a half, cheese minus 10 and a half. I went all the way up to 12 and a half, you know, as far as getting like the juiced odds. I, I yeah. really like the cheese in that game. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if they went by double digits. Yeah, absolutely. What a great take. Um, I think a lot of it too is like these games, you, you ratchet up that pressure, right? You turn up that pressure, and then and then what do you have? You have quarterback versus quarterback with, you know, look, if you're down eight, it's a one-possession game with someone with the ball. And if that's that someone is Patrick Mahomes versus Brock Purdy, I know who I prefer. And it's, it's it'd be one thing if the Chiefs' defense was Swiss cheese. It's not, man. They're playing really good. You said it. I think that's the key to the game. Honestly, with the weapons that the Chiefs have, if this was a – a game where, you know, their defense wasn't quite hitting, I could understand the the 49ers being favored just because it's going to be hard for um, Patrick Mahomes to put up 40 or something. You know, I mean, it's it's not easy uh, with his weapons. I, I think he's got some, some issues there, but they have a great running game. Their offensive line has been playing better. Kelsey in any single game is still a, a field changer. So I'm with you a thousand percent. Um, you know, if, if, if that comes to fruition – What's that narrative uh, after the after the after the Super Bowl? Basically, it's I mean because it's going to be I've got my own little prediction that I'll share with you, but like I feel like it's it's Patrick Mahomes' greatest quarterback of all time. Question: Is, is that what you think is going to be? And do you think he wins the MVP? Yeah, I think it's well. The MVP is a different discussion, right? Yeah. Because um, I think the way the Chiefs, you know, like I, I'm on the under of this game as well. I think that just falls in line with the handicap of someone that prefers the Chiefs. I, I think if you prefer the 49ers, you probably like the over. If you like the Chiefs, you like the under. And, you know, the, thinking about the way the Chiefs are going to manufacture their offense, I like the over on the Pacheco prop. I, You know, yeah. I, it's in the 60s, maybe low 70s at some bucks. But I like him to go over. And then in the passing game, I think you're just giving it to Kelsey a whole bunch. And with the MVP voting, what I find so interesting is it's constituted 80% is media vote, 20% is fan vote. And mm. you know that 
Kelsey, no matter what happens in that game, is getting all 20% of that vote yeah. from the Swifties <laughs> or whatever. So if it's even remotely close with the media between Mahomes, who, you know, I mean, like, if, if you want to go the different narrative, like if, if there's any media that's on the fence and wants the story element of it, they might be leaning Kelsey. You both that you have the yeah. Swift, the Swifty thing. You have the thing that he absolutely might retire after this game. You have all awesome. that different stuff. Uh, I'll be betting uh, Kelsey to win the MVP for sure. I, I'm not sure that the odds are fully baking that stuff in. So they, I agree. Yeah, they, isn't it like twelve to one now? It was actually more than that. Is, isn't that about where it's at for him? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and normally if you didn't have the, if it was all media vote and it was a normal circumstance, yeah, absolutely. I would be on Mahomes, you know, like in the Chiefs, yeah. whatever. But just because of all those different things, that's why I sort of, you know, it's, it sort of seems like the Kelsey season and, and the fans, fans, the Swifties getting 20% say, I, that's why I would sort of lean that way. And again, like the, it's, it's not all frivolous. It's only 20% frivolous, but the, the way the Chiefs are going to manufacture their offense I, I think a lot of that is going to go through Kelsey. So you could see him getting a touchdown or two as well. In addition to the seven, eight catches he's going to get, I, I think his receiving line six and a half again, it, it yeah. typically is whatever. So that that's the way that I, I would lean as far as that goes. And I think, you know, the, the one, you know, talking point you mentioned it, I, I think after the chiefs win, if they do win, it it's immediately becomes Pat Mahomes against Tom Brady against the yes. other guys. Like what else does he have to do? to get there, right? Like how many more Super Bowls, how many more years does he have to play? That comparison starts to come into focus a little bit more. And then I think the other one, it's what happens with Kelsey. I, I think it becomes yeah. like you're almost on retirement watch then. If yeah. I mean, if they win, right? Because yeah. I think to me, I mean, I don't have any inside information, but I would have to assume that that increases the odds that Kelsey retires. He yes. gets another ring. He's about to marry the one of the richest people on the planet, Seems yes. like they're happy together. In addition to that, uh, Kelsey also happens to have one of the most popular sports podcasts out there, yes. which he gets paid well for. Not only that, the second that he retires, he is going to get ludicrous offers from all the networks, whether that's yes. just by himself or whether that is in conjunction with his brother. Come in here. We want you to compete with the Mannings. Amazon yes. should already be talking to them about this if they have not broached that. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. But between all that, Kelsey would be able to make as much money not playing football next year, spending more time on the road with with Mrs. Swift as he would be playing football. So <laughs> I, I think those become the two big storylines coming out. You, you mean Mrs. Kelsey, don't you? Um, Mr. Taylor. Swift. <laughs> Mr. Swift, exactly, brother. Listen, I heard Matt Barry uh, had a great take. He said the, the Chiefs are going to win it, and, um, you know, it's going to be great. Confetti falling down, and – uh, you know, Kelsey's going to get it. And then um, Andy Reid's going to retire and they're going to announce Bill Belichick as the, uh, as the oh. next head coach. And I love that. I was like, go for it, Matt. So I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on that and then just go even a little bit heavier. It's going to be the chiefs win it. The, the confetti's going to be coming down. Taylor's going to come on the field and it's going to be Travis down on one knee proposing to Taylor Swift while Jason Kelsey is shirtless smashing two beers together and shotgunning them in the background as the most poetic and picturesque moment in Super Bowl history. Iconic. And, and, Pat, and Pat Mahomes Sr. in the, the prison yard with a slow <laughs> oh, clap as well. It <laughs> would be a beautiful moment all around. Yes, beautiful moment. What happened to Pat Mahomes Sr.? 
bro is a bro is a uh, major league baseball pitcher. Now he's just he's just he's crazy, man. It's something, man. It's it, it wow. really is sad. If if I uh, contorted the camera right now, you'd see on the other side of the wall of my office, I have Minnesota Twins regalia all over yes. the place, especially from '91 and '87, the two years that the Twins won the World Series when I was a a wee little uh, lad. The Minnesota sports professionally have not won a championship since then. Those teams hold a, a, a dear part of my heart. I, I'm a Vikings fan. We are cursed. The Vikings will never win a Super I will die. The Vikings will never win a Super Bowl. And it's going to be the same with the Timberwolves and the Wild. So those teams held a, a part of my heart. Pat Mahomes was on them teams. Pat yes, Mahomes Jr., you know, you can you see the photos of him. You know, he was in the Metrodome with Pat Mahomes Sr. and whatnot. Uh, so the fact that uh, that Pat Mahomes Sr. has turned into this stooge and the fact that Pat Mahomes uh, – Pat Mahomes Jr. that his brother is is a stooge as well. It's a it's a very weird thing, and the the wife he picks seems kind of strange too. Uh, I, I don't really amazing. know what's what's going on with all that. So like Pat Mahomes is like this prodigy. Like we were given yeah. a gift from God of of this yeah. one generational quarterback, but it's like everything going on around him is. It, it, it's it's weird the people around yeah, him, surreal. but it's not his yeah, fault. But, yeah, no. And actually, you know, did you watch Quarterback, the thing on Netflix? Did I you did. watch that? I did. I, I thought I thought his wife came across as awesome. Like I was like, oh, what an awesome person! Like I know it's TV, I know it's edited, I understand all that, but like she didn't seem kooky to me anyway. I mean, she seemed supportive of her husband, who's the greatest player of all time. Like I don't know. Yeah, she just seemed cool. I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. In terms of the longer stuff, I think the yeah. she has a um, a very expressive face, you know, as yes. you would say in acting school. And I think when yeah. she gets captured, some some of the times, she, yes. you know, the face I, I think is what. Uh, well, wasn't she caught on? She things. was caught on camera saying uh, he told me to to not have my resting bitch face or something like that. You know what I mean? So yeah, she, she knows it. Yeah, I, I think aware. it's that stuff. And then she's been with that 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 Jackson Mahomes fellow when yeah. he's doing stupid things or when he was what, 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 dancing on the, was it the Sean Taylor Memorial or whatever that was? Yeah. So, I mean, he's been around a co- or she'd been around a couple of times when he's doing stupid things. So the association probably didn't help, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Brittany's probably a very lovely human being. Yes, I'm sure. Speaking of which we are going to get into, I want to ask the first question off the get is I want to ask about the Debo Samuel corollary. In other words, who was the guy that walked into the senior bowl and everybody looked and was like, there's the alpha, but I want you to answer it right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back. Thor 
You were at the Senior Bowl, boots on the ground, as I like to say. And I wanted to ask you right before the break, who was the the Debo Samuel corollary in this in this Senior Bowl? Who was the player? Now, maybe it's not one of our fancy position players, and I suppose you might answer it with a, a D-back or something like that, but answer it as it is. I mean, who was the guy that walked in and was the alpha of the show um, at the Senior Bowl this year? Uh, no, I'll stay in the wide receiver room. I'll, I'll tell you one guy who wanted to be that, and it's not. Malachi Corley, Would anyone that would listen, he'd tell him, oh, I'm the next Debo. I, I'm like yeah. Debo. I play like Debo. It's like, bro. You're not Debo. It's like I, right. I I served with Debo. I was friends with Debo, sir. <laughs> you are not Debo Samuel. I've I've yeah. seen your tape. Um, Corley, I, I'm lower on Corley. We 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 I definitely noticed. don't need to get into Corley, but he's the guy that people want to be Debo, and he's mm-hmm. not Debo. And again, he forwards himself as Debo. He's not Debo. Um, the the guys who who blew it up this week, I would let Lab McConkey be the guy that I would say was that you know you you brought up before uh tank dell from last year and the striking thing about tank dell in the practices the funny thing was on tuesdays in the one-on-ones at the beginning you know a lot of these guys haven't played tank dell in college at at houston and so they had the audacity the temerity in the one-on-ones to go up and try to press him off the line only one guy got him on the Tuesday. That was Julius Brents, the guy who's got like the longest arms and, and you know, like coming out of yes. the cornerbacks. He was the only one that got Dell off the line. He only did it one time. Everyone else, Tank Dell, embarrassed in front of the NFL, just over and over and over again, cooked him off the line. And then all of a sudden, he's got eight yards of separation. And the defensive back is crying inside of his helmet because he knows the entire NFL is watching. He just got embarrassed, whatever. And so what you noticed, you know, as it got later on into Tuesday, but especially on Wednesday, the defensive backs started to play a little bit off Tank Dell, but they started to grab him. Every time Tank Dell would, would start getting around them on, on the route break, they'd just grab his jersey because right. that was better, was more advantageous for them than getting embarrassed and then having Tank Dell be 10 yards away and then, you know, whatever. Um, this year, McConkey was the guy who was like that, where – initially guys were playing up on him on the line. He'd break their ankles off the line and then he would just be free. He'd be, you know, frolicking about and then the quarterback would hit him on the hands and then he'd be running downfield by himself. And you, you started to see later on in the Tuesday one-on-ones and then especially on Wednesday, it was more exaggerated. They weren't holding him like Dell. What they did with McConkey in the one-on-ones, they would play eight yards off him. So they would just say, go ahead and take the free, easy completion. I don't care, but you're not busting my ankles off the line and then running around me because I've seen it over and over and over again, you doing that to my contemporaries. So he was the guy that changed the behavior of the defensive backs in the one-on-one way more than anyone else this week. Uh, true sign of respect in terms of that. McConkey is really, really good. Um, you, yeah. you see this on his tape for sure, but in person you, you get even more of a sense of it. You know, just looking at the – the PFF numbers, you know, some people, you know, you just look at the stats or maybe you just only got exposure to a couple of Georgia games. Georgia doesn't throw the ball a ton. You know, it's the yeah. same reason why like Michigan, the throwing prospects get nitpicked because the volume's out there and people just look yeah. at the stats, whatever. So you, you got to look at some different kind of stats to, to measure guys like this. Lad McConkey, you look at PFF receiving grade versus single coverage last year. 98th percentile, Lad McConkey. You look at Lad McConkey's separation uh, percentile last year, 93rd percentile. Separation percentile against single coverage, 91st percentile. You go on down the list. It's impossible to stay with that guy. 
Um, you know, last year he missed some games. He was nicked up. And again, the, the, the volume wasn't there because they don't throw a ton. And then they're, they're blasting people. And, you know, sometimes the, the starters got yanked a little bit early. But when he's on the field, he creates separation like you and I breathe air. And, you know, I mean, if you throw the ball in this kitchen, he's catching it. It just is what it is. Really hard to stick with. The other dude that I would say is Roman Wilson. Um, he He's Roman Wilson is really good and he's more athletic than people think. I was I, I don't want to toss my colleague Debro under the bus, but we had a discussion after Debro watched Roman Wilson's tape and we were arguing because Debro thought he's a four four guy. I'm like, bro, he's going to run in the four threes. And uh, we, we were in Mobile for a couple of days, and then Debro finally conceded, all right, all right, he's a 4-3 guy. Cap- capitulation for <laughs> sure. Let's get back to Lad McConkey yeah. real quick because here's the thing with Lad. I, I, I uh, Someone early on, like during the season, late in the season, said something about Lad McConkey, and I was like, is this a joke? Like I didn't – because I don't know college football. You're right. I was that guy you're talking about. But then we started to dig in, and, of course, now I'm in the process and I'm falling in love with Lad McConkey. Some of the things that I, I – look, man coverage in the NFL is run at the lowest rate it's ever been run at. They're, they're running more and more zone. Every single year, zone rate goes up. Um, Lad McConkey was 4.27 yards per route run at the collegiate level against zone coverage. Uh, I think it was only Malik Neighbors was ahead of him. I mean, th- he is just an absolute zone killer. Um, he, he had also – he was like – Missed tackles force per route run was at like 30%, one of the highest in the class. So he's he's catching the ball against zone, making people miss. Now, nobody's going to confuse him for Malik Neighbors, but he's put up a, a, a few of those metrics at the college level that were, you know, approaching what Malik Neighbors was doing. And Malik Neighbors did that same thing. We'll get to him in a moment. I would just ask you, Lad McConkey constantly gets lazy comps. Please don't do that or I'll have to throw you out of the club. <sighs> Who does he thank you? Who does he remind you of as a player? Uh, because I think a lot of people will throw away, throw around some just random white guys, but honestly, I think he's a bit different player than that. Who does he remind you of? I well, it's funny what you were saying about the zone stuff because I, I have uh, in my notes I I had a uh, a sentence in there where uh, devilishly clever against zone coverage. You know, yes. like the, he's just super duper clever, and he he knows the coverage look right away. And, you know, the way that he's running the route or what he's doing on that, it's all in response to that. And but, yeah, with the zone coverage, he's finding that soft spot right away and making himself available to the quarterback just is what it is. Um, I'm like, I I feel like I'm going to have a lazy comp. Um, I don't have a perfect one yet. He's he's around the size of Amendola. I think he might have Amendola by an inch around the same weight. He, but he he's a better version of Amendola. Um, I, I guess it's just we always go to the white guy, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, that's just what happened. I mean, and Cooper Cup is one of those guys. I, I don't know that he's exactly Cooper Cup either, you know. Um, but he's 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 more than like Tyler Boyd, isn't he? Or at least he yeah. projects to have a higher ceiling than what Tyler Boyd does, if that's the way to say it. I mean, obviously, you know, look, if, if, if he ends up having a Tyler Boyd career, there's nothing, no shame in that. But I think – we, we can project him to have a potentially higher ceiling than that is what I guess I'm getting at. Um, he, he's, he's not necessarily slot only at the next level with the way he can win against man too, that he proved at the senior bowl. I just, I wonder, I, I, I wonder if he's a little bit more of a, 
you know, of a dual threat player than just a slot only guy. I'm, I'm just not sure about that. I'm, I'm wondering if, if what your thoughts are there. Yeah. And he did. So last year he, uh, you know, and, and, you know, again, like he didn't play the full season, so no, this is a, a smaller no. sample, but 78.7% of his snaps were taken on the outside. Now I, I, I will say the constitution of the Georgia offense, they were in 12 personnel most of the time. Right. Yeah, because you have Bowers and then you had Delp and the year so before. So there's no slot, right? Yeah, exactly. But the year before it was uh, Bowers and uh, Darna Washington, right? So yeah. um, typically that's going to take care of that. But in an offense like that where you had two tight ends a lot, I think he could absolutely be the out, you know, the outside, the number two outside receiver, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, um, you know, for instance, like uh, the Vikings, if the Vikings didn't have Jordan Addison and then it was like, uh, McConkey across from Jefferson, you know, in the, the offense where you have yeah. Hawkinson and Josh Oliver, he could absolutely do that. Um, yeah. You know, the, where he's the pure slot, it's, you know, the offense where you have the three wide, um, but like the, you know, 12 personnel offense, he absolutely could, could handle, you know, the outside, whatever. Some of these designations, you know, you're, you, and you're sort of mentioning it with like the, the thing of the less, you know, the NFL runs a lot more zone coverage now, stuff like this. Some of this stuff, it's misnomers, you know, in different stuff like this, McConkey traditionally that his game is going to fit uh, best for the slot in the tra- traditional way that people think about it, but he's right. absolutely going to get uh, outside <laughs> uh, snaps at the next level and he's going to do well with it. Um, you know, for uh, the guy we talked about last year, like this uh, Smith and Jigba, he took 30% yeah. uh, snaps on the outside this year yeah. for the Seahawks as a rookie. Right. So definitely uh, and Smith and or, I'm sorry, McConkey can definitely do that as well. Roman Wilson was uh, sort of roundly appreciated uh, at, at the Senior Bowl, you know, by you and most everybody that was there. You know, you're right. He is a speedster and he's going to be fast. What else are we getting with Roman Wilson? And what what did what impressed? Excuse me. What impressed you the most? Roman Roman Wilson's a guy I think two the two could play on the outside in the in the NFL. Um, certainly played a lot of slot in college. Is it uh, Trey he, Palmer? type of guy or he better than Trey Palmer. Um, the athleticism I think is very similar. I I think that's where the, there's similarities, but Trey Palmer had the issue with the ball skills, right. And the drop season, stuff like that coming out. Roman Wilson doesn't really have, uh, issues like that, but you know, I was talking about some of those stats before, uh, with McConkie, Roman Wilson's are in some ways even more impressive or or right around. It was impressive last year, 97th percentile receiving grade against single coverage, 90th percentile separation percentage, 93rd percentile separation percentile against single coverage. I think people, they didn't see it as much with him because the lack of volume, I I think was, was some of it. And maybe just pigeonholing him as a, as a true slot. He's he's a little bit on the, on the smaller side came in at 186 at, at the combine. But he's so ridiculously athletic and like the the high leverage plays and stuff like that for Michigan, the third downs in the red zone, different stuff like that. First downs. He was a machine with all that different stuff. He's also a guy. It's not just winning the the separation on the routes. He's the opposite of a Malachi Corley. Malachi Corley is a running back. Like you need to hand Malachi Corley the ball off down the line so that he yeah. can start creating. Roman Wilson and 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 McConkey as well. But Roman Wilson is a guy he's creating 
he's going to give you the throwing window by blasting someone off the line, beating him, breaking his ankles, and then getting downfield and doing something. He can beat you at all three levels of the field. And then he's going to create after the catch as well. So he can do a whole bunch of different stuff. I think both Roman Wilson and McConkie, you're talking about guys that are probably going to go very early on Friday. But if one of those two guys went at the end of the first round, wouldn't surprise me at all. They're both going to start in the NFL for a long time and catch a metric ton of passes. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I I love that. What about – hold on. Um, The other guy that I don't know if you like as much is Javon Baker. Um, Tell me a little bit about Javon Baker. I do like Javon Baker. I do like Javon Baker. Javon Baker, I actually – so coming into the event, I actually ranked Javon Baker as my number one receiver going into the event. Coming out, coming out of it, I think I dropped him to third. Yes, um, okay, that's right. Yeah, like so, so, something like that. But as far as the outside guys there, I liked him the most as the like pure, you know, sort of boundary projection type guys. I like his game a lot. Um, you know, like the downfield stuff speaks mm-hmm. for itself, and you can just see that when you're stacking up the numbers against the other guys. His A dot was ridiculous. Uh, the explosive plays was ridiculous. Different stuff like that, winning downfield. But he's a guy, I don't think he gets enough credit for his yeah. ability to win it at every sector of the field. He can win it at all three levels. It was just the constitution of the UCF uh, offense, right? Like, so he was at Alabama to start. And he was in that stacked Alabama receiving core as a five-star recruit. It's no shame you couldn't get on the field at Alabama immediately with all the you know first-round picks they had there and whatnot. He transferred. Spent about a month at Kentucky. I, I heard the, maybe it wasn't a personality fit with him in Kentucky, so that he, he had to move along pretty quick. Ends up going down to UCF. UCF was a good fit for his game, but they used him a lot in that downfield type role because that's the way that Gus Malzahn plays offense. He likes to do the tempo, does motion, and then it's using the quarterback, the mobility, whatnot, and the running back. He wants to put pressure on the defensive fronts like that, and then he does the play-action deep shot. Right. Mm. Like when you start bringing the defensive backs, I'll be putting an extra guy in the box. When the second Gus Malzahn can get a one on one shot, he's taking it downfield. Um, this was one thing that Bo Nick struggled with in Gus Malzahn's offense was hitting those one on one shots downfield back when Gus Malzahn was at Auburn. But Baker, very good at that. We saw that. But in opportunities when Baker had to win short and intermediate, he did that. His separation percentage is very good as well. Let's see if I if I got it in my my sheets. Yeah, I do. Uh, he was 88th percentile uh, receiving grade against single coverage, 81st percentile uh, separation rate uh, last year. But yeah, I, you know, again, a, a guy that wins at at all levels of the field. He has solid hands. His athleticism is very good. the The speed is is strong. The burst is really good with Javon Baker getting off the mm. line. He's got one of the the quick accelerators. Um, it's really hard for defensive backs <laughs> to stay with him. He also I, I I don't feel like gets enough credit for his footwork, especially off the line. Uh, he's he's got like this matrix of uh, footwork release package type thing where it's just hard for mm. the defensive backs to get a beat on it, especially when you you have to be sitting back because that kid can hit a dinger at any time. You, you have that burst off the line, and then you have the long speed, and you know that he can make the plays downfield. So if you're the defensive back, your your weight is on your heels, right? Because if 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 he beats, if he gets that step on you, you're in trouble. Um, but then, you know, so, so like you already have that going on, 
But Javon Baker also has this nuance to his game, like I said, that I don't think he gets credit for. So uh, definitely a big fan of his game. He was this week. I wanted to see him, though. Like I, I felt like this was an opportunity for him to have his Lad McConkey moment, his Roman Wilson moment, his Tank Dell moment, uh, different stuff like that. He wasn't terrible this week at all, but or last week, I'm sorry. But he was more um, just decent. The athleticism yeah. absolutely played. But he wasn't making all the plays that McConkey and Roman Wilson were. Like he was getting the separation. Some of the times he make the play, some of the times not. Like you know, it's just sort of an up and down week for him. So for for Javon Baker it was more like stock even, but it wasn't like a, a stock up week. Whereas for McConkey and Roman Wilson, it was both like you know to the sky. Well, this Javon Baker, you know, if you look at some of his um, his metrics now, here's the thing: is like. You know, I'm starting to piece together the puzzle with with Javon Baker because he played at UCF. That's not the best level of competition that there is, but he was an Alabama recruit. The, the The negative is that he had to transfer out of Alabama in order to be successful. I think that's the story I'm going to want to hear about him. Um, is there anything that, that that can make me feel better about the fact that he had to get the hell out of Alabama? I mean, you know, whether it's personality or talent, what, what, you know, it's like, why did you have to leave there? Why couldn't you, you know, sort of elevate your game there? That's one. Two, when you look at his yards per route run versus man and versus zone, he's really in the like Troy Franklin, um, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and actually another Malik, Malik Washington is in that, in that bucket too. These guys that won at a very high rate against both man and zone. So he's got some metrics that are very, very exciting. But did so, and you're right. His A dot was 17 one, is, is what I have here. That's huge. So he's a downfield threat, and he and he performed well at the Senior Bowl. So this is an opportunity. But speaking to the why he couldn't have done it at Alabama, is there anything that's going to make me feel any better there? Well, yes and no. Um, you know, I mean, like when a, when a guy comes in, even the Ballyhooed recruits, you pick an Ohio State, you pick an Alabama, different stuff like that, and you go into a receiving room. I don't mind if it takes you a couple of years to get on uh, onto the field. And I don't begrudge you at all for transferring somewhere else to get onto the field right away. Like, you yeah. know, a couple of years before that, a, a different scenario, Jamison Williams had to leave Columbus, Ohio and go to Alabama yeah. so he could get on the field. We, we see this at different places. It's just, it's just happenstance, right? Like, I mean, yeah. the, some of these schools at different positions just happen to be just crazy stacked and a kid coming out of high school, a position like receiver, Typically, you're going to need a, a year or two of development to overcome a dude who is a ready-made first-round pick in the NFL draft. There's a lot of times, yeah. you know, those schools, the guys that were above him on the depth chart. That's the part of it where I will give uh, Baker the benefit of the doubt. The part where I got to nitpick him a little bit, some of the stuff that I know, he's, from what I hear, uh, can be difficult to get along with sometimes. Uh, yeah. Javon, Javon Baker... And this can be good and bad. Javon Baker yep. absolutely believes, 100%, no bullshit, Javon Baker believes he is the best receiver in this draft class. He believes that he is better than Marvin Harrison Jr. He believes he is better than Malik Neighbors. Um, and he doesn't understand why other people don't see it that way. And that's right. the way he carries himself. And on the field, you can see this in his tape. He's a dog. 
Um, but he'll start barking. Uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes he might get on his quarterback a little bit if he didn't see him when he was open. Different stuff like that. Um, mm. He's a he's a guy where I think if he gets into a really good situation for him, he has good influences around him, has a good staff, and, and then the situation is there for him right away, and, and the career starts all good, I think it's wheels up. He, yeah, but he's yeah. also a guy where if it goes the opposite and it's a bad situation, flame and out. Yeah, I think he could flame out really quickly just because of his personality. Like I said, that kid yeah. did not last long in Lexington, Kentucky. The first school he transferred to from Alabama was not UCF; it was Kentucky. <clears throat> Kentucky was excited to have Javon Baker for about a week, and then they were like, "Kid, hit the road. We've seen enough." Um, Maybe he saw Will Levis eat a whole f- banana and yeah, was he's like, like, "This place this. is fucking crazy. I'm out of here." Got this. Um, but you know, yeah. like, and, 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 and I want to say this too, cause I know it's like, I'm, you know, quasi bashing him. The people I know that know Javon Baker, they like Javon Baker. It's not that yeah. he's a bad kid. It's that he has a ludicrous belief in himself and he does not care what you think. And he's going right. to behave the way that he, it's like, um, uh, Stefan Diggs would be another guy that you yeah. would say sort of like this. It's it's like that. And Stefan Diggs, I think, you know, we can also say it, guy that fell uh in the draft probably around where Baker's gonna end up going, right? Like wasn't he fifth round uh Diggs? He was. Like that. Yes. Yeah, fifth round. If if Diggs had if the start of Diggs's career had not gone well, uh, a couple you could have seen Diggs flaming out with with yeah. the way his personality is, but it it it, it goes well and then it went yes. the other way, and all of a sudden he's a star and his personality more or less works unless times don't go well. Uh, I, I think it's going to yeah. be the same for Baker. That's a that's a great point. I, we've uncovered the fact that this is a very high risk, high reward type of prospect that can maybe you know, hit lightning in a bottle for, it. I think it's going to be a great late round pick for, for people in their rookie drafts. I, I say late, you know, third, I don't know exactly where he ends up. I mean, obviously draft capital in the real NFL draft is going to dictate where we end up seeing Mr. Baker go in the, in our rookie drafts. Um, speaking of which I'd like to get to the, we're talking wide receivers. We're going to leave the senior bowl for a moment. I look, I am very impressed. I don't, watch too much college football, but at this time of year, I start to get into the film. I will generally start with the top. I mean, I need to kind of be told who to watch. I, let me just tell you, I will be watching some Javon Baker after this. But, um, you know, I started with the right at the top. I wanted to know what we had in, in Neighbors, Adunze, and Marvin Harrison. I came away with having Harrison and Neighbors as a clear 1A, 1B, if you will, and the more I look at the way that Malik Neighbors wins and the way that Marvin Harrison wins, I, I would dare to say that I feel in some ways that Malik Neighbors' game is more well-suited for the NFL game. This is not to take away anything from Marvin Harrison Jr., who I think is a pterodactyl on the outside and an unbelievably skilled player period. And he's athletic and his metrics are through the roof. He's an elite tier player, but I think I have Malik neighbors with him. And in some, some ways, sometimes I feel like, is it possible that Malik neighbors is a better pro than Marvin Harrison will be? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's, it's not a ludicrous idea at all. I, in my uh, sheets, you know, where I I do, I got all my data, I got all my rankings, whatever. I, I have a mock-up of my top 50 receivers. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a ways away from publishing it because I got to get through tape on, on some more of these guys, but I, I've changed the top three 
already i feel like i change it daily just swapping the the numbers and it's stupid because again i'm not going to publish it tomorrow but like there's some days where i'm like i i think i like neighbors the most and then there's there's other days where it's like no no it is harrison and then there's other days where i'm like no i I, maybe i I think odunze i like odunze the most they're they're different right like yeah those three it's sort of like the top three quarterbacks where it's like depending on your system and what you needed that in some ways that could dictate the way that you see those guys. And in some ways that's the case with the receivers too, right? Like when we're talking about these prospects and when, you know, when I'm ranking out doing my 500 player big board, I don't have, I'm not doing it for a team, right? Like I don't have an offensive coordinator. Who's like, this is my scheme. I need a scheme fit and here are holes. So you need to prioritize these positions. You're all doing it outside of like a vacuum. So that's where it gets interesting with discussions like this, because qualitatively, I think those three top three receivers are really close. And obviously they're elite, elite, elite. You put them, you stack up like the last five, 10 receiver classes. These guys would be way up there in all of them. Right. Um, and, and like I said, different, like you, you, you set it up well with Harrison, uh, the pterodactyl guy, very good athlete, super duper rangy. And he has that skill and nuance to his game that you would expect being the son of, of Marvin Harrison one of the most nuanced and skilled receivers that we ever had in the NFL and a guy that had to learn how to do it. Cause he was the opposite in terms of physical dimensions was on the small right. side, the lean side, whatever. And he gave his, his son got the opposite. Just happens to yes. be just, just crazy skilled neighbors. So that, so that's Harrison. He's like your, your prototypical uh, ex boundary dude. Yep. And neighbors is your Ferrari. Like he's just like the funnest mm-hmm. dude to watch ever. Like yes. it's just zoom, zoom, zoom. And yep. not only can he throttle up whenever he wants, it's just the instant acceleration. Like it's yes. it's like literally a rocket boom. He stops just as quickly. It's effing stupid. I, yes. I mean, like he'll be going full bore. And if he, like the defensive back, it's like, my God, how are you staying with the guy? He will slam on the brakes. And yeah. the other dude, it's like a cartoon. It's like the skids. You know, in the cartoon, yes. he's just like, you yeah. know, and now he's like six yards yeah. away, right? And but yeah. neighbors just stops on the dime. All right, throw me the ball, and and now you know, the other the, thing the he fun does begins. There, Thor, Thor, the other thing that he does, and I watch it in film, and it's not like a huge thing for me, but you know, I do notice it, and it is a little thing I put in my mind. He works his way back to the football. Yes. Uh, next time you watch Mar- uh, Malik Neighbors, you'll just see anything that's a. Uh, a, a, a comeback he doesn't sit there and wait which really helps the two things number one the, the the ball not be intercepted but number two it gives him space to then make a move which of course he breaks ta- uh, you know force miss tackle whether he evades them or breaks them he does both and then I've, I've said this about Malik Neighbors once the ball is in his hands like when you're playing Madden you know there's like this perfect angle that you can take and then when there's contact there's another angle that you can take to like maximize your yards gain he does that like every time you're like oh that's perfect that's a perfect angle he just does this every time and he's got that elite athleticism so when you watch him play it's like he's a really smart cerebral player in all facets down the field intermediate after the catch and also working his way back to the quarterback just an absolutely fantastic wide receiver I would be shocked if Malik Neighbors isn't awesome at the NFL level literally shocked Totally agree with that. Yeah. And that's the way the sport's going, right? Like, you know, yes. I, I, yeah, I think if this was 20 years ago, I think Harrison and Odunze would be the clear one too. Agreed. You know, and then, 
Yeah, but like now, I think you can absolutely make the argument uh, of neighbors. Um, you know, and I I wouldn't begrudge that at all. The the kid's an absolute killer, and again, the the way the game is going, it it's going towards players like that. He he's yeah. the, sort of the next age, the the new breed of that kind of guy. And your point's really well taken about that. Like it's impossible to stay with him. He works back to, towards the ball. He has a really good ball skill, stuff like that. But then with the ball in his hands, he's just magic. He erases the angles, oh, but he also has, I think, more power as a ball carrier, different stuff like that, just because of the uh, w- 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 the speed plus force, whatever it is. You know, like <laughs> yeah, right, all, yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, man, this guy's this sort ex- of a colossus coming yeah. forward. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever it is. Yeah. Mass times acceleration equals force or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. He's, yeah. he, he is he's a somewhat baller. big. Yeah, he's he's strong out there, man. I so look, I'm glad you're with me. I you know, I'm I'm a little bit bashful. And look, at the end of the day, why am I bashful to make Malik Neighbors my wide receiver one? Because Marvin Harrison Jr.'s friggin' awesome. That's why. Yeah. You know, if he wasn't awesome, then neighbors would easily be for me over Odunze and everybody else, he'd be my wide receiver one. And and the only reason I don't want to say, oh yeah, Malik Neighbors is the wide receiver one in this class is because Marvin Harrison Jr exists as a human being and is in this class and he's so good but when i watch and and see neighbors i see a wide receiver one in his own class type of player and so for those reasons i will be thrilled to have him fall to me whenever that can and i'll trade up to get to the spot where neighbors is at um if the marvin harrison jr pick is too expensive i really want malik neighbors I'm, i'm a huge fan so for me it's those two you've seemed to like a doomsday in that same tier, um, t- tell me why I get a little bit of uh, maybe just not too great at any one thing and, and not quite as explosive. And I think he, you know, I, am I missing a little something with the Dunes? I'm not so excited yet. It, it helped me get excited. Yeah, I think he, for me, it's like, the everything together. I I don't think, I don't think he gets enough credit first of all for the releases and then the separation. Like you don't see anyone stay with him and you never see him off the, and by the way, just off the line, uh, this number kind of shocked me when I was stacking everything. I, one of the columns in my spreadsheet, I have last year's snaps coming off press coverage for these receivers. Some of the guys, um, you know, like uh, Tez Walker, he, he played less games, but you only have 50 snaps against press covers last year. Malik Washington, a guy that had a lot more, but of course was a slot. He only had 48. You have different stuff like this. Uh, Roma Dunes had 281 last year. Mm. I, I mean, Marvin Harrison had 173, which, you know, is is a lot. Uh, but 281, I, I'm scrolling down. I, I can't find another guy in this class that, that had that many. And you never saw him get jammed up at the line. I like I, I I'm surprised that they found 281 guys that had the courage to go up and play Roman Dunze off the line. You can't get him off the line. And then he, again, he's just really difficult to stay with because his footwork is so good. Um, you know, you, you talk about a skill guy in in a bigger package like that. Separation rate is really really good, and his hands are awesome. And he, and he does the stuff like the the cool skilled stuff that you like to see, like the late hand stuff like that, keeping the defender off the beat until the last possible second. And the hands are just so damn good. Um, the couple of comps that I have seen that I like for him, I saw one at Devonte Adams. I could definitely see some of that. 
And then uh, my buddy Zierlein comped him to Larry Fitzgerald, which might be going, now you're at the very top of that line of continuum. But it's hard for me to argue with it. I, I just think he he's so dang good. I don't know if I'll end up getting to Larry Fitzgerald, but I can definitely see why Landstead. Uh, I'm just a really big fan of his. I, I don't think that uh, Rome has any weaknesses, and I think he's going to test better than people think. He's at 6'3". He's going to be yeah. around 215 or just a little bit smaller than that with the awesome hands. And, again, really yeah, awesome feet. Size. Knows what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Um, okay, let's. Uh, is he so? He's your clear wide receiver three. Then, uh, j- yes, yes. Those three guys, I it's gonna be it's gonna be a race to the finish. I still have not decided what my Meaning my top he, three is. There's nobody else who's gonna overtake him for wide receiver three. It, oh three. no, yeah, no. It's it's those three guys. Big drop, and then we talk about the rest of them. Yeah, that, and and for me, I was I've been kind of there's one two, and then Adunze is the enigma that I'm like, is he in that group or is he closer to that group? For you, he's closer to the the top two than he is to the next group down. For sure, yeah. That's, for me, yeah, it's, for it's sure. the big okay. three. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I just wonder how much he is in that group, and I'm gonna have to just get with it and 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 find my way to loving some some Adunze a little bit more. I'm gonna watch. Uh, some tape there. The, the 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 numbers are good on him, and and he's got great size, and he's got the coolest name in the class. So that yeah. that goes a long way. That goes a long way. Uh, the the tier two is where I think, and and we've been sort of starting to recommend that you know you want to trade down in this group because there's sort of a flat group, isn't there? Like there's a lot of good players here in this wide receiver group. Like you just mentioned, you know, three seniors that. You know, Roman Wilson, Javon Walker, you know, these these guys weren't even John Baker. I'm sorry. Javon Walker. Isn't that a cool uh blast from Freudian the past. slip? Yeah. That's cool. Look at that. That was fun. Um, but um, you know, the, there's a lot of guys, man. I keep looking, I keep finding new wide receivers that I like. How, what the hell, man? Who do you have a wide receiver for in this class right now? And and, and is it Lad McConkey? So in my my rough draft, and I will say this yeah. is rough, you know, like, but I, I do have my my rough draft rankings. Uh for me, it's Brian Thomas. It is okay. for I Brian Thomas, I, I you know, I watched a ton of LSU this year because they were the funnest team to watch because they have one of the funnest offenses you'll ever watch in college football and yeah. a travesty of a defense, just a train wreck. Like week in and week out, you're like, how is it possible for them to have the athletes they do on defense and be this bad? Like, I mean, they right. have Harold Perkins, for instance, the guy we're going to be talking about next class. And they had some other really good players on defense, but it was just so bad. And so they would be in all these just wild shootouts. Yes. Uh, you, know, you, you talk about neighbors, game, and he's so fun. And Thomas has a different kind of a game. You know, he's six, four, 200, and more of the downfield speed kind of guy. Uh, the utility is not quite as dynamic with neighbors, where neighbors you can do everything, and then he's creating, doing all his different stuff. But Thomas is going to be a really, really good number two guy in the NFL, I think. Yeah, a really like high, high end. I, he, and you know, you might consider him a low end one, depending on the constitution of your wide receiver uh, core. But for me, ideally, he would be an awesome field stretching uh, number two guy. I really like his ball skills. And getting downfield stacks the dude. The athleticism is all there, different stuff like that. I had McConkey five just because I, I think the game just translates so easy. Yeah. I had Trey Franklin uh six. He Trey Franklin, I, I like Trey Franklin's game. I, I I definitely do. The only concern I have with him is he's just so skinny. 
is, is you know, is, is, is my really only thing with Franklin, but he's absolutely going to play on the outside and he can win downfield. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's this stuff I like about him and he's good with the ball in his hands. He's a home run hitter. I like all that stuff. I had a uh, Roman Wilson seven. Okay. Um, I had 80 Mitchell eight. I, I think I got, uh, I got this guy nine and, and this is lower than other people have him. But I, I look at this and it's like, it's still too high. I, I don't think I will have this guy rate rated this high come around. Cause I, I don't really love his game to be honest. His Keon Coleman. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of out let, on let me, Keon Let Coleman. me stop you right there then, because yeah. here's the thing. I'm going to, I'm going to group. Uh, I have a couple questions. First, yeah. I'm going to start with your Keon Coleman, Brian Thomas and Ad Mitchell, AD Mitchell, right? Yeah. So these three guys are like, this this alpha x outside prototype but they're not marvin harrison jr you know what i mean so then you say okay well you know t higgins was was that kind of player right we had questions about t higgins michael Pittman was a bit that kind of player mm-hmm. um but so wasn't Nikhil harry and terrace marshall and right so there have been a lot of misses on the outside, right? These outside big X guys that, you know, it, even sometimes when they hit, like even George Pickens, it's like, eh, you know, it's not like you, you just aren't getting, you know, 150 targets all the time. You know, the, the, not all of them can be uh, DeAndre Hopkins out there. And so, you know, their utility and how they win and whether or not they can command targets from the X is very difficult. You really have to be a Michael Pittman style alpha even even T Higgins from for my money I mean he's kind of expensive you know George Pickens he's never had more than 110 targets in a season he's played like 4 years um you know I know some of them have been cut short by injury but he's not been I know he plays next to Jamar Chase yes 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 but still right so for me it's like this prototype has been a scary prototype to target in rookie drafts and it's crazy to say that because historically it's been the only prototype you know, dating back to the, you know, Michael Irvins and stuff, right? So, you know, the game has changed. I guess the question is, are you getting any of those vibes? Like even DJ Chark vibes for like Brian Thomas. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a guy that's like, yeah, he has some utility in the NFL, but not for your fantasy team. And I know that's hard to parse sometimes, but what are your thoughts about these three big guys? Yeah, for sure. And that's that's well set up, uh, Jax. I mean, that's one of the reasons why – with a guy like Coleman, that's where some of that pessimism comes in because those guys yeah. that you're mentioning where it didn't hit, where they fell into that phylum, you start to be like, oh, that kind of reminds me of what I'm seeing with, with, <laughs> right. with Keon Coleman. You know what I mean? But then you can just as easily on the other side of it, I mean, I think a part of the reason why why Brian Thomas is growing on me all year, you start talking yourself into some of the guys that you liked on the other side of that spectrum, yes. and you're like, he reminds me of those guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, some of it could be context. I mean, you know, just admittedly, you know, I'll just toss this out is Brian Thomas. He was playing. Well, so his neighbors. But like just in terms of these guys was playing with one of the better quarterbacks that we'd had in college football for the last decade. The, the season that Jaden Daniels just had was yeah. just an absolute assassin. And Jaden Daniels, what is he best at? As far as a thrower, it's downfield stuff. So, yeah. so Brian Thomas is in a very advantageous situation this year for what his specific game is. Whereas Keon Coleman, at the, the end of the season, uh, Florida State had as bad a quarterback play as you'll ever see in the Power Five yeah. after Jordan Travis uh, got injured. That's the For the Florida State fans that were bitching that the Seminoles got omitted from the playoffs, it's like 
bitch at your head coach that didn't bring in a competent backup quarterback. I had seen the Tate Rodemaker kid play because the season before uh, Jordan Travis got hurt. That kid sucks. And I'm sorry yeah. if, if Tate Rodemaker and his family are, are watching the show. but I'm sure they are. They, they might be. And then, yeah. you know, he, that kid gets injured. And then uh, they had a freshman, this Brock Glenn kid, who was even worse. Maybe he'll be good someday. But, you know, he was just, you know, was at the high school prom a couple months before that, whatever. So <laughs> right. that, that was at the end of the year. And and before that, you had Jordan Travis, who Jordan Travis, like you take your hat off to him because earlier in his career is at Louisville and he stunk and he was a three star recruit and he got pretty good, you know, just developing and stuff like that. And he's a dual threat guy. He's not a good passer. He He's very yeah. inaccurate. Like Keon, So I'll just say from the stats this year, Keon Coleman had 87 targets. PFF charted 55 of them as catchable. Just sort of saying the environment. So he had he had 32 passes thrown at him, which were not in the vicinity of Keon Coleman. It was just <laughs> yes, that's right. He was just the closest guy to it, or whatever. Yeah, right, so he, he was right. playing with all these accuracy averse guys, and this is supposed to be Keon Coleman, his big uh, NFL audition. And we thought right. it would be right. Like he's trans. He went from he was in Michigan State all the way up until the spring. We this past spring, we thought he was going to play at Michigan State, and then he just decided, like, no, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to be here anymore. Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker is going to get fired in the fall, probably. I'm going to go down and try to win a championship at Florida State. So, he, so that's what he ended up doing. And the offensive environment just wasn't as conducive for him as as we thought it might be. But that being said, I don't. If I'm going to get back to the evaluation, just parsing between Coleman and Thomas, for instance. Thomas, he's going to win downfield in the NFL. The speed plays, he knows how to stack people, and the downfield ball skills will play, if nothing else. So if nothing else, I know that he can do that number two field stretching thing, even if the other stuff never comes along. Keon yeah. Coleman, my, I, I have myriad concerns with him where it's like, can he even get to the bar of like, I know for sure that if all else fails, there's a fail safe where he will at least be a starter in the NFL for a long time as yeah. a number two. And I don't know that there is like right. he's that extremely high variance guy. And that's where it gets really hard for me to parse. Like he, he can be a lumbering mover. I don't love his routes. The ball skills come and go. And again, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt of like the quarterback play that he played with in college, but you see the physical ability, but it just c- comes and goes. There was games where he disappeared totally. It's like, is, is key on here? Is he in the building? Um, so, so that's yeah. sort of myself with Keon Coleman. I, I'm still trying to get my head around Keon Coleman, as you can you can tell. But like yes. right now, I'm more out on him than I'm in. Yeah, and 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 he they had him returning punts. They clearly valued him as a as a playmaker. They're like, well, the punt you can actually catch, so we can start there. You yeah. know, you, you got a chance to at least touch the ball. Um, you know, he had a pretty good true sophomore season at Michigan State. Another team not exactly um, known for its passing game, and he was, you know, 800 yards, 14 yards a catch. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's just a, it's a it's a terrifying, uh, you know, type of player to draft. Whether it's any of these three guys, you know, and then we'll go to Troy Franklin. Troy Franklin is like, you know, you 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 mentioned it. He's a little thin, and it's like, okay, am I getting? Let's ask it this way. Closer to Jordan Addison or closer to Tutu Atwell? Yeah. Right? Yeah. W- w- what are we getting? I mean, does he have a shot at being a Jordan Addison type player on the other side of a, a you know, because he's not a one. You know, we know that. 
But I mean, a field stretching intermediate player like a Jordan Addison was, bro, sign me up. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I don't know if he's that. Yeah, he's he's a weird player, right? Because he, he does, you know, the Tutu thing that works is like the skinny guy who's the burner who did like 2 2 1 downfield at Louisville, right? Like you, yeah, you'd man. send him deep and, and he'd do that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, but like the, the problem there, like, you know, with Addison, I don't think Franklin runs routes that good. Right. right. And so, but like, you know, Franklin also, he played on the boundary, uh, there at Oregon. And I think he, like I said before, I think he can play on the boundary in the NFL or Tutu is the slot guy and Tutu, if <laughs> Tutu is the funniest player in college because he only ran two routes and really yeah. it was, it was only one. They either it was it was go deep, it was run the nine <laughs> yeah. route, or else it was a funnel screen. And he literally right. didn't run anything else. It was like right. you're, you're doing one or the other. We're gonna manufacture and, and, a touch. And I don't necessarily specifically mean tutu. I just mean that type of player where it's you know, where he's only asked to do that. That's kind of why I mentioned him. Obviously, I, I you know for sure it's like it yeah, he's not I don't think he's either guy. And I'm just wondering where he falls in that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. How no, close it, is he like, to, to yeah. Addison? Because if he can do a little bit of the stuff that Addison does, he can get some targets in the next level. If you're just asked to, as you said, you know, exercise out there and take the top off, that's all you do. It's not going to work. You know, th- this was the fear of Jamison Williams even a little bit. And, yeah. and we're still wondering. I, and, and that's that's well said, too. I, I think it's a weird profile. Because it's a yeah. boundary receiver that you're hoping that the big utility from him, it's winning downfield. But it's like yeah. this super skinny dude. And in the offense he played at that he's coming out of at Oregon, there was a lot of these quick hitting concepts. And diff- like it was a lot of smoke and mirrors BS. Right. Um, you know, but this this kid is an athlete. I like a lot of the skill that I've seen from him. But like the, the, the different stuff he's going to be doing in the NFL is different than what he's going to be doing there. Yeah. Um, he's going to get pressed a lot more in the NFL. I'll, than I'll ask you this way. College. I'll ask you this way. Check yeah. it out. You you mentioned the gimmicky. I asked this, I think, to Felix Sharp. I said, Troy Franklin as a prospect, Jalen Hyatt as a prospect. Oh, I, I would definitely go with Troy Franklin in terms yeah, of Yeah, me too. I, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right, so yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah, he he. you can see a little bit more growth to his game. I, I totally agree. Um, let's move to uh, – let me see here. You, I just get so locked in. Oh, I have a player I want to ask you about who you didn't mention, who I've been flirting with based off of just a little bit of film and a little bit of, you know, research is, is uh, Xavier Worthy. Um, I haven't heard you mention him yet. Are you kind of out on Xavier Worthy or what's going on there? I had him. Let's see. Oh, I had him 10. So we, we just yeah, had, so we, we hadn't quite gotten down there. Next. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of skinny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, stick thin guy. Uh, love the movement. Love the movement. Love the ability to separate. That speaks for itself. Uh, Texas obviously loved him. They threw him the ball a ton. Uh, the drops is is what I'm concerned about. What you know, the year before he had the hand issue, so you give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt on that. But this past year, um, he still had five drops. Um, but the, the overall season wasn't quite as good as I wanted. He he needs the separation to win too. You're not going to win in the the contested stuff. Uh, I, I wanted to like him more. Like I wanted him to be like um, like the Hollywood Brown type, but I just don't think he's as reliable as that. You know, in, in part because yeah. of the the drops, different stuff like that. 
I, I do think he's a problem for the cornerbacks in terms of it's just so hard to stay with him. You have to account for him. Uh, you have to have help on his side of the field because he can also win downfield. He's the burner, obviously. But yeah. because of that lack of reliability, that's why I drop him down a little bit more. And sure. I'm also, you know, from a fantasy perspective, too, you're sort of interested to see how he translates. Is it, Because of some of these questions, is he a guy that can – I mean, can he? Is he ever going to have ninety catches in the NFL? Texas, right. they did pound him with targets, like I'm mentioning. I mean, Texas had a lot of good receivers, and this past year they threw the ball to Worthy 119 times, right? I mean, like yeah. uh, Mitchell had 86 targets. You know, I mean, like you go through some of these other guys. Quinn Ewers loved uh, Xavier Worthy, even though maybe in some instances maybe he should should have been throwing to other guys a little bit more in terms of the efficiency numbers, different stuff like that. I like Worthy's game. I just I don't know if I love his game. Fair enough. We're gonna we're gonna go a little quick because I know I'm running out of time with you. I have like a thousand questions. Tez Walker, budding superstar, or is he overhyped? Overhyped. This tell this, me why. This, yeah, this one I got a clear read on. Tez Walker should have gone back to college. Um, you know, he this isn't all his fault except for the decision to leave early. He's not ready. Um, yeah, like you know. Kent State, they did some fun stuff, but that Sean Lewis offense, you know, it's all up-tempo, and they only have the boundary receivers running a couple different routes. So his route tree, like, it's just not developed. You know, he, he was running some of the downfield stuff. He ran a couple slants. His funnel screens. And yeah. th- th- that was all he had. Then he goes to North Carolina, and this is the part that was outside his control. He gets screwed by the NCAA. The NCAA, they decided they were going to be, you know, for, you know, years and years and years, it was like, we're going to be punitive. Then they decided they, they were going to be Wild West for a little bit. And then Tez Walker transfers there. They're like, yeah, we're going to be punitive again. And now, Tez, you can't yeah. uh, you can't play because you, you were at two schools before that, even though at the first school you were at, we canceled your season because of COVID. And so now Tez Walker couldn't play. Well, then at the middle of the season, they're like, uh, never mind, your school just threatened to sue us behind closed doors. So now you can play. We don't want to get sued. So so now all of a sudden, Tez Walker just gets thrown in. Uh, th- you know, they wanted to play him. They wanted to throw him in there. But he's a raw route runner, and he was just getting thrown in midstream. So what are you going to do? You're going to do what he's best at. They were just having him run go routes, which is mostly yeah. what he did at Kent State anyway. Uh, he comes into the process as one of the more raw route runners that we have, and that is mm. exactly what we saw in Mobile. Uh, he's a one trick pony kind of a guy. And my issue with, with him is he isn't the elite athlete. He doesn't have the elite frame and different stuff like that for that. He has some skill that you really like for that. He has solid ball skills for sure downfield. And one of the things I like, uh, in terms of nuance for him, he has that late hands thing, um, downfield. And I I do like, you see that on tape. It's, it's the last second, you know, and then he'll he'll put it up and the defensive back just can't get the head around because of the way that he does that. He has cool things like that, but he doesn't run the other routes very good. And sometimes it's like a lethargic thing. It's like he doesn't have an idea of what he's doing with that. The defensive backs are just in his back pocket because of that. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes the I feel like the ball skills play down in the short and intermediate maybe because of that as well not that it's the only thing that he cares to do is is go downfield but it feels like that's when he's most like locked in and engaged he had a really rough senior bowl game but in advance of that he wasn't doing well during the practices too it wasn't something that surprised me uh we're just lower on him because of that we just haven't seen it on film You, you see the ability to hit the dingers 
but it's from yes. a guy that doesn't have that enormous. He's like, he's not Mark McGuire where he has like right. enormous natural power. It's like that in college in the Mac and a little bit playing in yeah. North Carolina, like, yes, but yeah. like, in the NFL to win, if that's your good only luck. trick. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah, those are luck. my issues with Tez Walker. He needs to get way better as a route runner. And then the other stuff is going to need to play and, and hold up for him to even get the opportunity to get way better as a route runner with the other stuff. This makes a lot of sense. I, I It's kind of jiving with me a little bit because he's really exciting. But it's like, wait a minute. Is this a little bit of, you know, a little bit of smoke and mirrors? So I, I appreciate that. So everything in my fiber analytically tells me that I should just simply ignore Xavier Leggett. Am I wrong? Tell me, t- spin me a story as to why I should even care about Xavier Leggett as a prospect in fantasy. I, I actually kind of like Xavier Leggett. Um, I me, know that's why me, I want to hear it. Yeah. Me, me and my colleague, Derek Brown, we, we bicker about the prospects and, you know, he'll watch the guy. And then, you know, if we disagree, we'll start bickering. We, we bickered about, about Leggett quite a bit. Leggett's one of those guys, it's like, um, what do you call Eye of the Beholder. You know, depending on the way two guys can watch him and be watching the same thing, and you can see it differently because you can um, interpret his career differently, and that leads you to see his film differently. Xavier yeah. Leggett, a guy, it took him five years to get on the field, I, I guess four Crazy. years on, on offense, right? Like, he for four years, he was, a, I guess you call, in baseball terms, organizational soldier, he was like the special teams guy and, you know, doing different stuff like that. And when he was in on offense, it was like blocking and different stuff like that. Like he was yeah. never the featured receiver, uh, didn't play full-time snap, certainly. And then this past season, he had worked him, himself up and he started to get snaps and he blew up. And all of yeah. a sudden he was a stud and he's this mega athlete. He's a super yeah. duper springy athlete. He measured into – Senior ball, it was a little disappointing. It was uh, uh, in terms of being a one or something, yeah. little bit shorter. Yeah, he was 6'1", 223, though. He is, and he is built. The, the guy's absolutely jacked. He, at South Carolina, they listed him at 6'3". I thought yeah. on, I, I thought he was going to be 6'2". I didn't think he was going to measure 6'3", six, uh, six, but I was hoping for 6'2". We get the 6'1", uh, but he, like I said, 223. You see on film last year, when we finally got to see him as a receiver, downfield utility and he has the acceleration thing and the deceleration thing so like people when they thought he was bigger he got some comps that that aren't really valid at the smaller size there probably weren't in in general but like dk metcalf because he has a thing he can go downfield and then he can slam the brakes on different stuff like that not that kind of a player again because he he doesn't have that kind of um you know he's not that big whatever wingspan hands size yeah he's not that yeah exactly but he he's that jack kind of guy uh, yeah. A springy kind of athlete, light on his feet, and the north-south thing. Um, yeah. The first day of the senior ball, you know, like I said, I've been bickering with D. Brown. He was lower on him. And then on Tuesday, Leggett goes out there, and he face plants, and he sucked. And so then yeah. D. Bro was chirping at me and whatever. Yeah. And so then I had to go on our live stream and apologize, give a public apology. Well, then the next day, Leggett goes out on was Wednesday. Great. It was yeah. awesome. And so then, yeah. you know, I demanded that D. Bro give his, his public apology. Retraction. Exactly. And, and what it was, it, it was so interesting, you know, going back to the same thing about his evaluation, how you can see it differently. It was it's, it's sort of like that, but the tale of two days, the first day he was trying to win by hitting dingers. He wanted to yeah. go out there and put the highlight thing out. So what he was trying to do was blow people off the line, run by them, stack them. I want to do the highlight thing. 
But one of the things he didn't, first of all, he was telegraphing that that's what he was going to do. It's like, you know, he's back there in the batter's box, like trying yeah. to, you know, whatever. But then the other thing, the quarterbacks on Tuesdays at the, the first day of practice, invariably these all-star events, they're always crazy conservative on the first day because you don't want to, you know, do anything dumb. You're learning the the receivers. You don't know the speed, you know, different stuff like that. You're sort of yeah. feeling your way. So you're always going to skew conservative. You see very few downfield throws anyway on the on the first day. So it was sort of dumb, I, I guess, more than anything. But then on Wednesday, Leggett's like, you know what? Screw what I was doing yesterday. I'm going to I'm going to go the opposite way this, this time. And so this time. You know, guys were like, oh, he's going to go downfield on me. And then Leggett would start out that way. He'd slam on the brakes. Now he's coming back. He'd be wide open. There no, you know, it was the same thing where the guys were like flying back. And then, you know, now he's coming back to the ball, whatever. The outbreaking stuff was really good. The inbreaking stuff was really good. And he's got great ball skills. So once he was throwing open those uh, throwing windows like he was on, on Wednesday, everything in his vicinity, he was catching. He, he has those ball skills as well. What I like about Xavier Leggett. In the modern era of college football, everyone in Xavier Leggett's situation transfers multiple years before Xavier Leggett finally broke out. Nobody yeah. stays four years on the bench, special teams. Okay, True. coach, you're right. I, I believe in the vision. My fifth year as a redshirt senior, I'll, you know, then I'll get my opportunity. But Xavier Leggett did that. We know the kid can play special teams. He might be draftable for special teams utility only. Certainly would be a depth piece as a part of your wide receiving core, if nothing else. That alone makes him draftable. The thing with his athleticism, the downfield utility, the ability to slam on the brakes, come back for the ball, the deceleration and acceleration numbers on the zebra tracking system in Mobile that they do, he was one of the yeah. top receivers. That's not even size adjusted. And then he has the in-breaking, out-breaking stuff. He's not a crazy, agile athlete, but he has the cuts. And he can keep you off the beat of his scent because if you don't respect that deep speed, he's going to take you downtown. And he's going to embarrass you. So you have to play off him a little bit. And that's how he can win to the inside and the outside. And again, the slamming on the brakes thing, he's really good. It reminded me of uh, from last year, Michael Wilson was the stud at that. The big lanky outside dude who can win downfield, but his special sauce of keeping you off that, the change up. Michael Wilson happened to have this superpower of slamming on the brakes for a big wide receiver. Xavier Leggett, very similar in terms of that, especially for a rocked up dude like this. I just think the utility you get with that, that's how you're going to get yourself to a number two wide receiver. But even if I'm wrong, that kid's going to play in the NFL for a decade because of the special teams utility. He's he's going to figure out a way to stay on you know the depth chart as a depth guy, if nothing else. But I happen to think he's going to be a starter. Hmm. Interesting. Johnny Wilson. Uh, is he a tight end? I mean, he really he 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 um he impressed at the Senior Bowl. I think some people were very dubious as to whether or not he could do what he did, and you know he 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 turned some heads. But is he better served to become a tight end? Yeah, it ticked me off that he did okay the first couple of days because they didn't switch him on the third day to tight end like they did with Elijah Higgins the year before. Yeah, um, he absolutely should switch to tight end. Uh, Johnny Wilson has this idea in his head that he's going to be. Plaxico Burris in the NFL level and you know you know hats off and 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 good luck to the kid he's gonna get a shot um that's what he wants to do that's what he wanted to prove at the senior bowl that he could do that and he gained the separation he made plays at the senior bowl and then he pulled out of the yeah yeah, and he he looks odd you know like Elijah Higgins the year before it was like bro you absolutely will not play receiver in the NFL if you want to get drafted 
Yeah, you right. have to switch to tight end for the last day, whatever. Wilson, that was not the same thing. Wilson is going to get the shot to play receiver in the NFL, but it's, you know, going back to I'm, I'm on baseball parlance today, I guess. They're going to give him the shot because he's earned it to fail down the spectrum. So he's going to yeah. get his first shot to be a boundary receiver, whatever. I think it's a bad idea, but I guess you don't lose anything like by Claypool. it either. Like Chase you know, Claypool. I mean, look, Darren Waller, Chase Claypool, uh, Elijah Higgins. Look, Elijah is – He's only a year out. He could actually be something. You know, he could be yeah. he could be a player. I mean, you know, tight ends take a while to develop anyway. Um, I don't know. I I, I do look, who, who am I to tell him what he should do? But you know, we were just talking how the outside X is kind of a a, a lost player anyway. What's the odds that he's gonna be Plaxico Burris or you know, we named other guys, Auden Tate, et cetera. It's like, who is Johnny Wilson? It sounds like he's he moves a little bit better than Auden Tate, Kelvin Benjamin's types. Um, you know, in terms of moving down the field. But, God, I feel like you just put on a little bit of weight. I mean, it doesn't need to add much. Ten pounds maybe, that's it. You know, get a little bit more solid. You don't really need to lose any of that, mo- uh, you know, that the, the motion that you have. You know, you've got that 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 movement skills. You can keep that and still put on some weight. Um, but, again, what Man, do I know? He, I mean, right now he's about the same size as Waller coming out of Georgia Tech. And he looks yes. super-duper similar to him. And that would be my comp for him if he's willing to play big slot. It's like, bro, you're still a receiver, basically. Like, it's not yeah, like people think that Evan Ingram or you know Darren Waller or friggin' Mark Bavaro. It's like they're right. big slots, Johnny. Just play the effing slot. Like uh, last year, th- this is what frustrates me about Johnny Wilson. Last year, his slot rate uh, at Florida State, I-, I feel like he's got like a thing in his head, and he's like, I'm not even going to play the slot because then they'll call me yeah, a yeah, tight yeah. end. You know, it's it's right. more like that. It's more like an idea. Last year, Florida State. This kid who would be this this just absolute nightmare in the slot. He played 8.7% of his snaps in the slot. It's like, bro, what are you doing? Jesus. I, like, I, I, it, it, literally one of the lowest percentages. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah. In, in the entire class. It's like, bro, what are you doing? 90.9% out wide. And it's like, yeah, Johnny, we get it. It's impressive. You're tall and you can play on the boundary. Have you ever thought that maybe it'd be better if you played you on the slot? Where you'd be a kill slot players. Yeah, it's your freak. Johnny Wilson, 26th percentile last year, receiving grade against single coverage. Uh, Johnny Wilson, 50th percentile separation rate uh, percentile against single coverage. And it's like, again, Johnny, you know, congratulations. You're six foot six and a half, and you were separating uh, half the time against guys that were six foot 190 pounds. Like, it is impressive. I'm not saying it's not. What I'm saying is you could absolutely destroy people in the slot, and that's what we want. (laughs) Here's my concern for Johnny Wilson. You look at the numbers, you, you you toss out a couple comps. I got another one for you if Johnny Wilson wants to stay a wide receiver. Johnny Wilson in college, 2.52 yards per route run. Uh, his A dot, 14.4. Th- these are career. And 12.8 career drop rate. That mm. reminds me quite a bit of the last incarnation of this player that we saw that wanted to play outside receiver, a guy named Hakeem Butler, 12.7% mm. drop rate at Iowa State on 14.5 A dot and 2.59 yards per route run over his career. <laughs> eerily, eerily similar for players that were used, eerily similar in college. Johnny, please, for the love of God, you are a big slot matchup nightmare. Please, hey. the sooner the better. If you want to make money. And Akeem Butler also finally capitulated and moved to tight end when he was at the USFL or wherever the fuck he was. And you know, He would have been yeah. a star in the NFL, Hakeem would have, if they would have done this right out the get. It's like, what are you guys yeah. doing? It's just not... Yes. 
Yeah. It's I, an easy it's an easy concept. You're like one of the most athletic. You're you're a pretty good outside wide receiver. You're immediately one of the most athletic tight ends in the NFL. Yeah. Seems like an obvious thing to do. It'd just be a nightmare down the slot. And then the spacing, you know, it's like a basketball. I'm, I'm doing all this, the cross sports uh, things. But it's like a basketball yeah. game, the spacing <laughs> that it provides, you know, not only for your boundary receivers, but also for your running game. Like, you, you yeah. have a matchup problem. Like I mean, you see this, like, with Waller and some of the other guys that we have like this in the NFL. It just changes the way the, your, your entire offense works for the better. Johnny, yeah. please, instead of being a lumbering outside receiver that drops the ball way too much, why don't you try to be a next level game changing matchup nightmare of a slot? Please. What about what about Malik Washington? Malik Washington should have been at the Senior Bowl. I feel yes, like he I dominated the Shrine. And and how do we how do we use this information? And and what do we think of Malik Washington? He's got some great metrics as well. Um, I don't know too much. I haven't watched. A, I don't think I've watched a single bit of film, but. You know, he looks like a like a real player played at Virginia. That's not the worst place you can. It's not like a you know a third world country here. I mean, what what do we think of Malik Washington? I've got some people around me that really like him. What what's going on? I like him too. Yeah, and and it was someone that even coming into this past season, like you know, I play a lot of college fantasy football. We didn't yeah. think much of him either. I don't even think Virginia did. And he just like proceed to cuck everybody and just like yeah. you know i'm the dude whatever you know last year he had said his production last year was absolutely ludicrous he had a uh, hundred z 111 catches 1407 yards uh nine tutties the only concern i have you know he, he's on the smaller side i'm gonna be uh yeah. decidedly smaller side 58 190 i'm gonna be very interested to see how he tests you know the the um the a dot uh, for him, 8.1. Yeah. It, it, I, I get really, con- you know, I was making fun of Corley earlier. I get concerned with those manufactured touch slot guys. Cause they're yes. a, they're a dime a dozen. If, if I'm going to have a, like, that's why, you know, the Johnny Wilson, thing. I want a slot that can, that can do stuff like that can take the top off a of defense in terms of like that, or downs. like or the explosive yeah. guy or a downs, like the, the, the heavy volume, like he's going to catch everything. And like yes. in traffic, like I chain mover, right? Like yep. you have to give me something where it's like that, whatever the manufactured touch, like glorified running back dude. Like I just don't have time for it. Right. And so yeah. that's, with Malik Washington, the biggest thing for me is what is that testing profile? Because yeah. you know that with Malik Washington, I, I I'm probably going to be in the minority here. I give him a bigger benefit of the doubt than I do with Corley with with some of that a dot, yeah. some of the usages past season. I'll tell you why. Malachi Corley was around at WKU for several years, played with multiple different quarterbacks in that system where they threw the ball all the time. They they he was a big part of the offense, the number one receiver in the offense. And he never developed into more of a guy where they were using him downfield. You want to talk about a guy where there's only two usages, either the screens or else it would be like Malachi, now we'll let you run downfield. But it was just right. literally that that's all it was. Um, with Washington, uh, Virginia's I, – I haven't sworn enough on this show yet. Virginia's uh, quarterback play last year was fucking dog shit. And yeah. so, like, it was literally if you wanted to move the ball – 
you didn't have a choice but to manufacture touches to a guy like Malik Washington because it wasn't just their quarterbacks were terrible. They didn't have other skill guys. Their running backs stunk. They didn't really have other receivers out, outside of Malik Washington. So if you have a uh, accuracy averse quarterback that can't move around in Calandria, the, the one that they were mostly using, was also a young kid who you were always concerned yeah. he was going to throw an interception as well. And then he doesn't have other guys to go to. It's like, well, we got one stud. So Calandria, just get this guy the friggin' ball, and then he'll do stuff, and he'll he'll get us down the field. That was the entire Virginia offense, and it was this one year for Washington, right? So it makes sense that he was used that way. And more than it makes sense that Corley, after three years of the same way, was still doing that, whatever. But with Washington, I need to see this kid can move like in the in terms of the testing. I want to see the agility. want to see the burst scores, different stuff like that. But yeah, he is an impressive player. Um, I I wasn't in uh, Dallas where they moved the Shrine Bowl to this year. I did talk to some of my buddies in the media that were down there that were on the field. It, I, yeah, Washington was one of the winners this week. That wasn't what or last week wasn't what I what I was curious about. What I was asking them about was how was Malik running the routes? You know, for down on there, like what you know. They liked how he moved on the field. They liked his feel for it. And so that that was the thing where I was like, okay, you know, that in conjunction with like maybe when he's working with a better quarterback, whatever, in the NFL on the slot, he has that route running feel, whatever. I, I need to watch some of that tape from that. But you have that. If the athletic profile works with that, I know he has some of the ball skills, different stuff like that. The numbers don't lie as far as that stuff, what he did this past yeah. season. So I, I just want to see the other stuff. But, yeah, I'm, I'm tentatively bullish on him. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that you brought up the A dot. I was thinking of, you know, sort of by the way, the 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 folks at home playing the drinking, the swearing drinking game, these poor fuckers are sober. I mean, they are sober. <laughs> we really did a bad job. They're sitting there with the shot glass going, come on, motherfucker. Oh, there it is twice now. You guys <laughs> listen, I'll get you guys caught up here. I am so sorry. Because there's, you know, there's guys playing at home. By the way, I was on, uh, I was on. Uh, the, some of my listeners sent me this thing, like the the guy with the the sweating, pushing one button or the other meme. It was like swear and say whatever the heck I want, or be a good boy and don't swear. When I was on CBS Sports with Heath Cummings, you know, and uh, I was in the middle of the show, I said shit bag because this is something I call like bad players. And I was like, I'm so sorry, you know, it's like certain shows I'm not supposed to swear. <laughs> this one you can swear on. But yeah, yeah, no, they're 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 drinking right now. We're I said shit bag again. There it is again. I mean, you guys are doing okay. We'll get you caught up. You'll be fine in a moment. But um, I like the way that you brought up the A dot, and you know, look, the only two players that I have data on in front of me that have a lower A dot was you know Corley and Jacob Cowing, um, yeah. and I was thinking, you know, what a way to look at it is A dot with like targets per route run because if you're going down the field. And getting targeted, you might be good. And these are the guys that have like a a target per route run, like above like basically 30%. You know, it's like Marvin Harrison Jr., 13.1 A dot. Uh, Malik Neighbors, 12.2 A dot. Um, Troy Franklin was at uh, 27%, 12.8 A dot. By the way, Mr. Lad McConkey was at. 25% and 12.2 a dot. He's not this close to the line of scrimmage guy. Then if you also look at like missed tackles forced, man, oh man, you start to get lad McConkey analytically pretty frigging close to Malik neighbors, which I know is ridiculous, but you know, that's where I'm, I'm getting a little excited about lad McConkey. Maybe he's that Puka Nakua in waiting. 
I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, at least we're just going to have an open forum conversation about the running backs at the class. I have one question I've been asking everybody, so I need to squeeze it in right now. It's not on the show sheet. Here it is. This 2024 rookie running back class, if there's one running back, one running back who in two years from today, so we have the 24 season go by and the 25 season go by, two years from today is a top five dynasty running back in dynasty consensus. That running back's name is? None. This running back class is dog shit. No, no, hold on. There is one. I'm saying that the, the, it happens. Oh, of course, okay, there's so, none. There is none. I agree. But oh, if there is man. one, I mean, somehow, some way. Okay, so one, one is of these okay. guy. One of these shit bags. You guys can drink again. One of these shit bags. They're not all that bad, but one of these guys somehow man. is that guy. Who is the guy that has the inkling? the The light is on in in, in the in, you know in the in the cave for him. It's just a a shimmering light in the distance. For this running back, who is it? Mm, man, it's tough. I hate this running back class so much. I, you know, almost as much as I love the quarterback class and the wide receiver class, this running yep. back class just sucks. Um, I do like. You said top five fantasy, top right? Five dynasty running back. Yeah, they're going to be. God damn, it's so hard to. Yes, yeah. I'm talking ceiling because here's why. Okay, okay. I asked this question because. Okay, I got there, one. It's not okay. Go. Trey Benson, I think, is the only guy you could say. Mm, okay. What about Jonathan Brooks? This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe say Jonathan Brooks. Um, yeah, I, I guess Jonathan Brooks, you, you could potentially say. I'm, you know, it's a little more the one-year wonder coming off the injury. The, the injury's scary. That's why I didn't yeah. say in one year. Because it's almost impossible for him to get there in one year. Yeah. Um, because he's going to almost be red-shirted. That's why I gave it two years. He, he did Benson look good before the injury, it. for sure. Yeah. I, I like Benson's the, the potential for him. Yeah. is just, for me, heads and shoulders about the other guys. I don't know why he never realizes it. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's a usage thing or like, I just get frustrated going back to my Florida state there. I, yeah. So much shit with Florida state. You know, I get frustrated with Jordan Travis. I got frustrated with Johnny Wilson, especially with Keon Coleman, but like with uh, Benson, there was weird usage stuff with him. And then there's reps where he looks like, oh my God, like this guy's going to really be bad. a top. Well, yeah, oh, like so, both ways. Yes. Both ways. Like yes. sometimes it's like this guy is going to be a superstar in the NFL. Yes. And then sometimes it's like this guy's a fucking bomb. Like, yeah, he's lost. And, and, yeah. and it's just, I, 
it's really hard to jive it because he looks like an Adonis, right? Like yeah. um, on his best reps, the the best comp I've seen for him, which I agree on the best reps, he looks like like Georgia Todd Gurley. Like yeah. on his best reps, I'm talking on his about. best reps. Yes, but yes. like on the other ones, like I said, he doesn't look like an NFL player. It's like, what the fuck yeah. is this? <laughs> right. So he's just a tough guy to, to gauge. And again, I don't know if that was the usage because they would do the weird thing of jerking him around. Like the, the year before it was with uh Treshawn Ward, who then transferred to Kansas state this past year was with uh kid uh, Toa Philly. And then they had one other kid. They, and it was just a really weird, erratic usage pattern. And a guy like Benson, especially in college, especially going against some of these ACC defenses, which were dog shit. I'm trying to catch up on the swearing to get people drunk out there. That a but, boy. Uh, that a boy. They, like, he should have been a guy that was used, used, used. And, and with Jordan Travis there and everything, and then you had to cover the two tall oaks they had on the outside, it should have worked, right? Like, And you saw games where it did. Right. Like there was one game this past season where he blew over 200 yards and it was easy. Like he got there real right. quick. But then you see these other games where it was like 30 yards. And it's like, what, what is going on here? Um, but to answer your question, if, if that's the, the, you know, the burden of proof, if, you know, guy in what, five years, top five, I would have to Two say years. him. He's, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, he's the one dude that I think has the potential to get there. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I, I for me, it's been like Benson and Brooks as the two guys. I think I just think Brooks has that natural like ability. He just looks really, really smooth out there, and he's got that explode explosive upside. And he was a hell of a receiver, and 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 a lot of the reps that I saw in my limited film work with Jonathan Brooks, Benson also a little bit. Um, but you know, I agree with you. The, the running back class. I won't be drafting any running backs you know, in the first round of, of, of any rookie drafts, almost no matter where these guys go. I mean, it's I'd not the class really... for it. No, it's not. It's not. And, your and, running back and the, the other thing I would say is, you know, if you need a running back or, you know, in fantasy, you know, especially with depending on how big your league is, you know, you might take a running back every year. This would be the year if I was going to do that, you take them later on. Right. Yes. Like th- there's a couple guys in this class that I think Let's are going to be really good complimentary backs. Um, and and that none of your league mates are going to know about, you know, like whatever that are going to be there later on that you can just get for free at the end of your drafts that, that I think carve out productive careers. Now, are they going to be superstars? No, but you're going to get them at the end of your drafts and you can hold Who on. To like them. one of the kids that I seen in at the senior ball that I really like, I liked him heading in and he had a really good week as well is Kamani Vidal from Troy Ooh. kid reminds me so much of Jalen Warren coming out of Oklahoma State. Yes. It just came yes. out, what was it, three years ago, whatever. It's like looking in a friggin' mirror. They're the exact same dimensions of 5'8", uh, 220. Shit. And they move about the same in terms of the agility, and their profile's the goddamn same too. The last year, Jalen Warren at Oklahoma State, he finished number two in the FBS in force missed tackles. You want to guess where Kamani Vidal finished this year in force missed tackles in the FBS? He was number fucking top, two. Maybe. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's it's the same sort of a deal. Um Vidal, I don't think he gets enough. He talked I, I interviewed him down there and he was I was like, you know, what's one thing about your game that's underrated or you know, like people overlook, whatever. And I agreed with his answer. He said receiving. He's like, my yeah. offense just didn't use me as a receiver. All four years that he was there, he either had 20 receptions or uh, 200 receiving yards, but it was he barely got over the threshold each season because what he was saying was exactly right. They used him as the bell cow back, so he would get a shit ton of touches as the runner. But like uh, you know, as the receiver, it was always just the the tertiary thing where 
um, that, you know, is always like the, the third, fourth, fifth option on any given play. So when he would get the ball, it'd be because the quarterback was like dead to rights and scrambling around. Okay, come on, you take it. And then yeah. he's not like out there allowed to run the route, show his stuff with like that. And then once he got the ball, it's you don't have time to run around or like, you know, do stuff like that. He was just put into bad situations, whatnot. Yeah. So this week we wanted to see, you know, can you do that stuff? His movement is really good on film as a runner. It's the reason why he broke all them tackles because he's he got the bowling ball thing where it's low to the ground. He has really good burst. And then he changes your angle like right before. It's the same thing that Warren does. We're like right before you're about to hit him. He just changes, changes your angle, like right leading up to the, the contact point. And then instead of being able to hit him flush, like you think you're going to, when you leave your feet, now it's an off angle attempt or it's an arm, uh, arm tackle attempt. Well, he just runs through that. Right. Cause yeah. his, his balance is awesome. I mean, he's barely off the ground. He's literally exactly. a spinning low top. center of gravity, obviously. Yes. And his power is much better than you think. Like he's a muscled yes. up kid, you know, five, eight and two twenty, whatever. And so you have that, but that movement that I'm talking about, th- that agility, whatever it plays as a receiver in the same way that it does with Jalen Warren, whatever. And we saw that uh, this week and very fluid or la- I keep saying this week, last week in mobile, I, I need to get more, more sleep, obviously catch up, but that, you know, that it played as a route runner, but also, also the thing of transitioning from being the receiver to smoothly going up field to being mm-hmm. a runner from that. Like sometimes people that don't have as much experience as a receiver, they, they can struggle with that. It's more like clunky of like, I catch it. Now I'm turning around, you know, and you just lose so, like, and then the, de- the defense has time to, to descend on you, whatever. I, there was more of a smoothness with that, with Vidal. And, and that makes sense too. Like, you know, again, like he got on the field right away at Troy and he, he was used, you know, and, and as a receiver, it just wasn't as much as he probably should have been. Um, so I, I really like Kamani Vidal. I think he he profiles as a Jalen Warren type back who's going to be a really, really good complimentary back in the NFL, like either an awesome RB2 or a low level, even RB1 potentially, depending on where he goes. He's going to go lo- lower on in the draft because he's not going to – it's going to be the same thing as Warren. He doesn't look like a ton. He's not going to test uh, tremendously well. I do think he ends up getting drafted, unlike Warren absolutely should have been drafted by you know all accounts. But, uh, I, you know, I, Vidal, I do think gets drafted, but I, I think he has a career that's very similar. So on January 12th, Mr. Field, uh, Mr. Uh, 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 Thor, I had said that Kamani Vidal was one of two guys that was popping off the page for me when I was looking at late yes. round undrafted running backs. And let's go. I, I, I love it. So yeah. you basically just are filling in the blanks for me. I we just become best friends, Jax. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Love it, dude. I, We're driving I, this bandwagon all the way to late April, baby. Dude, he's so good. I was, I, so I went through the, I go down the mock draft database thing and just look at the run. I don't know these guys, bro. I don't know. I don't know. I, you could tell me what they, I, I don't know if they're white or black. I don't know anything about them, you know? So I just like, I like go down and I just like pop on quick highlight film, like just to see what the, what they look like. You know, what do they weigh? What's the size? I just go down. I look at this stat page. I just, this is how I start the running back thing. I don't even know anything. So I just learn them, you know, I just sort of start studying. Right. And so I go down, I go down. I'd pop in like, you know, certain guys be like, this guy's nothing. Like he, you know, two down grinder, small, whatever it is. I'm just like, no, no, no. I'd pop in the tape on some, eh, it doesn't look very explosive. It's just kind of a volume guy. And I'm down, down, scroll, scroll, scroll. And I'm like, I finally get to Kimani Vidal. I'm like, oh, another shit bag from Troy. I put on the tape. I'm like, he doesn't have speed. He does not have speed. He's not fast. He got caught from behind every time. Like he break because he breaks through the line. 
Like he is, yeah. but he's got burst though. I think yes. he's going to be very bursty, uh, you know, on uh, testing and have no speed. He's going to run like a, he, he's going to yes. be like four, six, five or something. I don't know. He's not fast, but he's very, very strong through the, through the hole. Like he's very decisive. He's got great movement and he's a powerful runner. And as you point out, he's two fifteen at five, seven, five, eight. Like that is a, that is a spark plug. He's got all the ass legs. You know, I talk about ass legs for a running back. You know, you want that weight in that like lower area. You don't want a guy who's rocked up up top, Rashard Mendenhall or whatever. I don't know, making it up, but you know, you want the guy with the ass legs who can push forward so that when there's contact, it's almost impossible to tackle them because you're just bouncing off where the mass is. And he's got mass in the ass, baby. And I love the way he runs. Look, just like Jalen Warren, you're right. He might not get that draft capital, but you're right. He had he had great receiving profile, albeit not down the field. How did did they get him a lot of reps? Like Tajay Spears last year was one of those guys that obviously yeah. we, we loved the film. We loved you know watching him run, and then he got to the Senior Bowl and he was like ripping dudes in in, in the pass reps. Yeah. How did how did Kamani do in those pass reps? Because whether we like it or not, he might be. You might need to show that in order to get on the field at the next level. It was a similar thing with with Spears, where Spears wasn't used a ton like that at Tulane, right? And so it's something right. we were looking for. And then we you see Spears is just shaking people left and right. And yeah, it was some Spears was more. I mean, and you know, Spears the the athleticism with him, it's just stupid. So like he had yes. some where where it was really like everyone was like, holy shit, Vidal. Right. He he didn't have like the holy shit, but it was right. like. But it was like, man, Vidal looks good out here. Like it nice. was, it, it was, it was more like that. Like very, very reliable. And like every rep, it was like check the box, check the box, check the box. Um, I don't remember him dropping anything, and yeah. was consistently creating that separation. And you know, again, like you you mentioned, for a guy that wasn't sent down the field a lot, who who you know the routes were routes that he ran it was rudimentary not because he couldn't do it it was because again just the constitution of of that system right it was you know being the third or fourth option on on the, the given times where you got the ball where it was just a dump off when the quarterback's under duress right. it's like can he do that does he know how to run a route does he know how to introduce doubt into the defender's head you know like different stuff like that and he absolutely does and there was a smoothness to him the ball skills were absolutely there and then uh converting that in, into a uh, going from being a receiver to a runner, like I mentioned. And he also made several plays further down the field. It wasn't just all within five yards. There was a couple uh neat little wheel routes that he did where then he, he, he uh, finished the playoff and team drills, different stuff like that. So he definitely acquitted himself well there. That was the thing that he wanted to do going in. That was like priority number one. That right. was mission accomplished. And then the other stuff, like he was – showing what you've seen on film. He, he One thing he mentioned to me was like, you know, because I, I asked him, I was like, you know, last year you were number two in the nation in, in, in broken tackles. But I was like, at an event like this, are you able to fully show that? Because, like, the defenders, right. they're obviously not going full bore. And, like, you know, are, are you able to go full bore? Like, it's like, you know, everyone's like 90%. And he was like, he's like, not, not totally that aspect of it because you're not really right. al allowed to just be out here blasting people and I can't be fighting until, you know, the, you know, bitter end, whatever. But um, he did show, you know, the agility stuff, the vision stuff. You, you, you get a sense of that. 
following the yeah. blocks, the patience, different stuff like that. The one cut into the hole, making the correct yes. decision, stuff like that. All that stuff was playing up. And the way that you set that up, as far as his running style, it's totally correct. Like he's, it's hard to see him behind the line. He measured in five, seven and three eights, but yeah. at two eighteen. Uh, at the yes. senior ball and was moving very, very well, but it's difficult to see him behind the line. He's patient. And then when he sees that, the, the, you know, the hole that he wants, he accelerates very quickly. I, I totally yes. agree with, with your take of the split for him is going to be very good. He gets through yes. that hole so damn fast and he runs fearless. You, you yes. have the, the acceleration in conjunction with that fearless style in conjunction with, all he's like the muscle hamster type of guy where it's yes. all just all that muscle packed into five <laughs> yes. seven of him and you have yes. all that he's just like a little sledgehammer just going through yes. every single time whatever he gets through quicker than you think so the linebackers they're not ex- like i i watched uh you know people out there that haven't seen him watch his kansas state tape is a fun one uh he's going up against better competition but Kansas State at a certain point was like, fuck this, we're, we're loading the box. So they, they would put eight guys in the box. Vidal, there was a couple of times he would be out into the second level by himself quicker, like snap bang fast because they, they were packing and then the we, box. And then he would get caught. He, then he would get caught. Exactly. But, yeah, he, he'd be out past the linebackers. Yeah, and, yeah if, eventually he would get caught from Honestly, behind. if he, That's if what he it was is. a four four two player, he'd be like Barry Sanders. Like. You know, yeah, he just yeah just does not have the speed. I mean, he just I, I, I think he goes. I, I think he runs. I think he runs a little bit faster than you, but not by a ton. I think yeah. I, I, and maybe it's just because I love him so much. I this is another thing I bickered about with Debro. I think he gets into the high four fives. That'd be great. You know, like four great. four five eight four five nine. If he if it four six flat wouldn't shock me, but I no. I think he that's where he's 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 gonna be. But the the top end speed is it you know he's not a burner absolutely he's not exactly. a burner. He, he, but the he acceleration. A, let's hope he runs a four six, but it, it'll be because he's off the line like like that like he's at full speed right away. Yeah, that's, that's what right. it is. the The yeah. first ten yards, he's gonna be one of the quicker backs in this class. It's the yes. in the forty yard dash. It's the. The 25 to 40 yards yeah. is where he's one of the slower backs in the class. But a lot of times That's you right. don't fucking get there in the NFL. Like you, I, right. I would rather have the guy one to 10 yards is, is burning it. That's right. Thor, I'd be like remiss if I didn't. I, dude, We first of all, fucking A, bro. I feel like we could do this all day long. Like the show sheet is like twice as long as what we've already hit. Like there's so much shit to talk <laughs> about. There's just all these prospects and, you know, especially early on in the process, we don't have draft capital and we don't have a lot of more information. So we're trying to take a lot of information and put it through the funnel. And, you know, you're the one of the best people I could ever talk to. So thank you so much. But we'd be remiss to not hit the damn quarterbacks, my friend. And, um, you know, I, I'll start at the top because I feel like this Caleb, you know, someone asked me today, Andrew Cooper, I was on his show and he asked me, should the Bears take Caleb? And I was like, Yes, blindly. I don't even know if he's good or not. Like, I do kind of know. But, like, if you don't know if he's good or not, just the tell me all the information. Oh, yeah, he was this, he's that, he's going to be the 1.01. Like, should they take – yes, you got to take him. Now when we start talking about Caleb the prospect, I, I guess I would just ask, is there anything about Caleb that concerns you moving to the next level? The one thing would be if I, I, an offensive play caller that's like – um you know, a guy like, you know, I'm, I'm coming to you from from Minneapolis. If a guy like uh, Kevin O'Connell or a, a play caller that 
wants you, uh, Shanahan, uh, you know, in the Super Bowl, that wants you to, like a director in a movie that's like, you read the fucking lines on the script. Yes. If, if a guy like that drafts Caleb Williams, they're going to have problems because Caleb Williams ain't reading the lines on your script. He's going to do it how he it's just Pat Mahomes, you know, is it's an yes. that it's not the correct comp, but it's the yes. correct vibes. It, yes. That's exactly what it is. Like he's it, it, playground isn't the right way to say it. But if you, you know, if you seen Pat or Aaron Rodgers would be, a, a, you know, a, a, another yeah. kind of guy like that. It's yeah. he's in the moment. Caleb Williams is going to figure it out. Right. Like he's he going to do what what Caleb Williams needs to do. But it's he's not running your concept as much. Right. Like yeah. he's he's he, you know, he he, he toes the line of danger. Right. Like he yeah. tiptoes the, the tightrope, whatnot. He and there's going to be times where you're like, shit, shit. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. He's he he's one of those guys. He's going to extend the play different stuff like that. Going to make some crazy throws where he, he puts it up for grabs and you know, it's going to be like, oh, my God, you know, and different stuff like that. He he's a, I, I love the prospect. And I, I think he's a perfect fit for certain types of coaches. I think for other types of coaches, it could be a bad fit. That would be my only trepidation. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm getting as well. Like, you know, C.J. Stroud was my favorite NFL quarterback last year. Obviously, for fantasy, we had to pay attention to Anthony Richardson, obviously, for, you know, the, the, the way that fantasy is scored. But if I had the 101 last year as an NFL team, C.J. Stroud would have been the instapressant of the button for me. And when I compare C.J. Stroud as the prospect, not even obviously now, and now we know what he is, but as the prospect to Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud was just dot, 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 just on target, on time, every time. Like He was just so, so good. He had a little bit of escapability, but throwing on the run was not his strong suit. So these are kind of almost opposite type of prospects where Caleb has so much, you know, improvisational skill. But I I guess I'm asking what he's going to have to deliver the ball on time and on target at the NFL level. You can't always just, you know, break pocket and and retreat and make throws that way. Um, You know, Jordan Love does that a lot, right? Um, So he's more on the Jordan Love, Patrick Mahomes you know, sort of mold, but can he deliver the ball on target and on time and and be good enough to to sort of uh, be the one one that is promised for Chicago? I think USC had a uh, a decent percentage of like screen game concepts in there, and I think that's how they sort of kept him uh, more to the earth, to put it that yeah. way. Of like, yeah. you know, that was their timing concepts, and then the rest of it's like, all right, Caleb, we'll 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 untether you, and now you can do your your Caleb Williams yeah. scrambling around kind of stuff. I I think that's sort of how it is. He's not like your your timing guy in a traditional sense, but he is good with with the the you know, I mean, it, there's screens, but you know, like that that's sort of that aspect of his game where you sort of get some of that stuff back, and with him. It plays up a little bit more because the defense ain't afraid of Caleb Williams in the screen game. They're going to be playing off his receivers, so you get some of those freebie yards, and that's how the you know the receivers can take advantage of that. But yeah, I mean, like the traditional, you know, like again, like the, the Kevin O'Connell offense is you know it's like a, a sort of symphony, and everything is laid out, and he's got all the lines along the paper, and this I want you to do this and that. That's yeah. not the Fed, you know, like because no. yeah, it, Caleb just draws outside the lines too much for that. Yeah, uh, it's, he's he's an exciting prospect. Uh, he does have a, a little bit of rushing upside for sure, like a Patrick Mahomes does. 
he's got a big arm, right? I mean, you, you, yeah. you sort of look at him as having a definite plus arm at the next level, right? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He, he can definitely get it downfield and he can also fit it into the windows for sure. And yeah. he'll do like some of the crazy shit that, you know, this is, I think where some people bring up the Mahomes thing, which again is not a good comp, but like some of the things you see, like of throwing it across the field where you're like, Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? But then he can fit it into a window, you know, throw it at yeah. sidearm across, you know, he's going, the, he's scrambling the other way. And then he sees a dude across 30 yards downfield the other way, just sort of goes sidearm and flicks it that way. And, and he can get it there. Like he has a stupid arm in, in terms of that stuff. So yeah, definitely high-end uh, NFL caliber as far as that goes. So, so just sort of a yes or no, if you were the Bears with the 1.01, you would push the button for Caleb? It's more nuanced than that because I don't know the offers they're getting. If you got godfather offers, like if, if Washington, for instance, if Washington says, I'm, we're going to give you our next two first-rounders and a second and the number two, Right, you sort of have to take that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, you know, and then yeah, maybe yeah. depending on what you get off for the second one. I mean, like for me, yeah. all, all options would be open. But as far as like, is Caleb the best guy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's great answer yeah. because that's actually uh, you answered both questions. So, um, that th- then that brings us to the second two quarterbacks from an NFL perspective. I do want to ask it from an NFL perspective. Is there one? that you find to be a, a better NFL prospect than the other. And that you think is, has a better chance of being a quote unquote hit. Out yeah. Of May and Jaden Daniels. Obviously. My, my, my Caleb Williams takes are chalk. Uh, my, my other takes get a little bit more scandalous. I, I like Jaden <laughs> Daniels uh, more than I like Drake may. And I'll go beyond that. JJ McCarthy is way closer to the top three group than he is mm. to Bo Nix and Michael Penix. I might rank J.J. McCarthy above Drake May. Mm. I'm just going to toss that out there. Um, but Jaden Daniels it will be my number two quarterback. Um, the different things that he can do and what we saw last year. And, and by the way, this is coming from someone coming into last season. I made fun of Jaden Daniels all the time. Like the be- beginning of his career at Arizona State, he had some games that were like the worst throwing performances I've ever seen. I going back several, I call him a running back. The yeah. fact that he got to where he is now is absolutely incredible. And you take your hat off to him. I heard some anecdotes uh, this past year out of that program about they have like this simulator at LSU. It's like this fighter pilot simulator, but it's for, mm. you know, it's for games. They have all the 11 defenders there, you see, and then you have, you know, yeah. the offensive guys, and they'd run the plays, but then they'd scramble up the defensive looks, and they'd scramble up the, the blitzes, different stuff like this. And dude, so they, I they, want to do that. Well, right? I mean, it sounds fun <laughs> as shit. And with, with, with Daniels, they started it. He got so good at it, they started running it at double speed. And this guy was like fucking Neo by the end of it. He's like, that, that guy, that guy. He's, he's like pointing out the blitz. Oh, we're going to the second read here. Like, this was a guy earlier on in his career struggle with reading the field. And then he struggled when he started to get pressured and he'd get frazzled when his mechanics would, he would just totally forget them. And then the accuracy would get crazy. So it's like one thing, uh, you know, along the sort of chain of command would break down, everything would break down, whatever. And now he's starting to get it right. Yeah. He's become a Neo. Like he, he's yeah. broken through and it's like, now he can stop the bullets and like the game has gotten really slow for him. And that's why you see he's got the kids got two superpowers. 
Number one, he's one of the better downfield throwers that we've seen coming to the NFL last decade plus by all accounts, so eye test, numbers, whatever you like. The other one, he's a tremendous scrambler. Um, yeah. a, a bit different than Lamar Jackson. I, he is the, different. He's different. The, he's closest to, I would say, as, as a scrambler, it's more like um, he's not the exact same in terms of body. T- in terms of the build, uh, he's a little bit taller than this guy, but RG3, um, yeah. it's because – RG3, he's like a shot put. You know, it was, it wasn't as much like um Lamar yes. Jackson, the agility is so good. But like, yes. you know, the second that uh RG3 wanted to go forward, he shoots out of there and yes. he just he can make you mi- mi- miss a bit, but it's not like, you know, it's like I'm here now, and now I'm not here anymore. It's the same thing with Daniels. Daniels has very good vision, and that's both in the pocket, but also when he's out of it, that's how he ends up making people look stupid in the open field because he'll throttle up and throttle down. His speed's ridiculous. I want yeah. him to run in at the because I think he could threaten four three legit. Uh, mm-hmm. He 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 has that whatever. But then with the the vision as well, he'll make defenders run into each other in the open field because he'll he'll send someone's coming. He'll throttle down someone else coming the other direction. They'll run into each other. He'll just let them run into each other. And now he's going around the other way, different stuff like that. Um, but Ooh, you, you, me you, know, excited. You, have, uh, you have both those things. The one thing about his game, the only thing where it's like you'd like to see it uh, grow a little bit more is he doesn't marry being a runner to a or a passer to a runner yet. Like he stay admirably stays in the pocket, looking downfield till the last possible second then he'll tuck, then he'll run, and he becomes very dangerous the second he starts running. But when he tucks, he never then throws. The right. second he yeah. pulls that ball, he's running. So he needs to get a little bit better at, you know, I, I'm drifting in the pocket. I'm, you know, still I, I could still throw the ball. Because in the yeah. NFL, the second that he pulls it down, well, now you know he's he's going to be running. It's the one slight nitpick I have. Everything else, it's it's aces. I, I really, really mm. like that kid's game. Um, so, yeah, it's a thumbs up. He's mm. going to be my, my QB2 with a bullet. Well, if he's a QB2 with a bullet, he has to threaten for QB1 because of his Konami code upside as a fantasy player. The, the, the question then gets really tricky because now you've got these two elite wide receiver prospects and neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. And elite wide receiver prospects almost never miss. Like the, the the real cream of the crop wide receiver prospects have a hard time just completely failing out. Um, we just don't see it. You know, the, the Jamar Chase types, the CeeDee Lamb types. Um, and then you got these two quarterback prospects who, by the way, these quarterback prospects miss all the time. I mean, Bryce Young was the 1.01. Everybody loved him. You know, yes, the size. And now we're wondering again, you know, you can go through the whole list. I mean, they're about a 50-50 proposition for, you know, early first round quarterbacks. And so, but yet they, if Jaden Daniels hits, he is such a huge asset in dynasty fantasy football. My goodness. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do here. What am I going to do at the 102, 103, 104? It's very, very interesting. And, and for you, Drake may would be outside of that top four. You would be taking neighbors and Marvin Harrison jr. Over Drake may, even in a super flex league, it sounds like based off of your feelings towards him, because you can get JJ McCarthy later. Right now, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, pre- I, I, there's a lot of time to go. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 I, I'm a little bit lower on Drake May. Um, you know, there, and I think people will see this a little bit more when they get into his tape. There was, there's more of, 
Uh, and first I'll say something that I like about him that he doesn't get enough credit for is the kids are, he's really tough and he's a tough runner. Um, he's he's a great not, athlete. He, he's yeah. a very good athlete. He's a better athlete than he's given credit for. Um, and he's not like a, a pre, you know, I think people like he came in, he was, you know, it was a big time recruit. He, he had success right away as a red shirt freshman. And you might get, have an idea in your head about him. But like he he's a tough kid and, and he'll grind out the yards and, and different stuff like that. Um, my concern about him is I st- <laughs> and and you don't want a helmet scout, but sometimes it's hard. You see guys coming out of the same thing. Yeah. I started to get some and, and I'm not comping, you know, or like whatever, but like you got some of the vibes that you were getting from Sam Howell that last year when Sam Howell was at UNC, where Sam Howell would immediately bail out of the pocket when his first read wasn't there. And then would start running. It was way worse with Sam Howell, you know, that last year when he when he ran for the thousand yards. But like with with Drake May, you're supposed to be this next level prodigy uh, pocket passing fella. You know who also has the utility as as a runner. I don't yeah. want to see you bailing, uh, you know, and, and getting out there and running. I want to see you dominating in the pocket, you know, and 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 not bailing until the last possible second, like. Uh, Jaden Daniels impressed me more in the pocket this past season than Drake yeah. May, and that should not be the case. How is right. how is Jaden Daniels improving from here all the way up to here year over year, and Drake May is like going from here to here? Like, um, yeah. so that that thing, you know. And again, you think back to a couple of years before that with Sam Howell, where going into the last year he was the you know projected first overall pick or top ten pick, and then the stock fell down, and it, it was because of some of that skittishness where. The system afforded you all these advantageous first looks, but then when it wasn't there, it's like, oh, now what do I do? And the NFL was like, yeah, yeah we're, we're a little bit lower on you because of this. I, I like Drake May a lot in terms of the athleticism in that package. I really like the arm. He has a bunch of high-octane throws, so I'm not shitting on the kid. The, yeah. the, the ability itself – you have to take them in the top 10 and maybe even the top five, just, just the upside. You mentioned quarterbacks miss all the time with just the upside, just on that. You you have to take them up there, but I have some trepidations about him because of some of these different things, specifically from this past year. And because I didn't see growth in those areas of his game where he's going to need to win in the NFL, like the pocket pass and stuff, stuff like that. Um, I seen a lot more from JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy is crazy underrated. I don't get what these people on fucking Twitter are talking about with some of this stuff. Like, you know, like, oh, I see all this stuff about like, oh, J.J. McCarthy, second round guy or third round guy. J.J. McCarthy sucks. Like, what are you watching? You know, J.J. McCarthy wins a national championship, was fifth, I believe, overall in PFF's wins above replacement. They, they have the stat wins above replacement. Yeah. And if you look at all of his like advanced stats where it's like the per snap stuff, he's a fucking assassin. And he becomes more of an assassin when it's the high leverage shit, the third downs, mm. the fourth downs, the red zone stuff. The the only thing J.J. McCarthy didn't have was he didn't get to play in an air raid offense, which just meant that, that he was playing with a subpar receiving core. He had Roman Wilson, nobody else. Cornelius Johnson sucks. They didn't have anybody else. Their tight ends weren't good. A.J. Barner's a blocking tight end. Loveland's okay. That was his receiving guys. Blake Corum yeah. is a good running back. He's not a great receiver. Donovan Edwards was on milk cartons this year. That was his offense. And he was destroying people all year. By the way, 
J.J. McCarthy this year, he threw four interceptions. I, I, I don't see any of this. I don't understand what people talk about on Twitter. He had four interceptions this year. You know where three of them were thrown? Mm-mm. Against Bowling Green. Mm. That was on September 16th, I think, something like that. Mm. Those three interceptions, one of them he was trying to throw it away. It didn't quite get it high enough, and the defender jumped up near the sideline. It was late third quarter. Another one, there was two guys in the back of the end zone. He threw it to one of them, and the defender on the other dude made a great play, recognized what was happening. The other dude was wide open, coming across the end zone. The Bowling Green defender comes off the dude you know, and, and goes, goes to the back of the end zone, picks this one off. The other one was just a bad throw. Uh, McCarthy was going YOLO. They, they were up by like 30 points in the second yeah. half, and – he clearly, they were like, you know, let's, let, you know, whatever. And they ran just two guys ran goes down the field and McCarthy should have thrown it uh, to the outside shoulder and he threw it to the inside shoulder. And so th- that was the one bad one that again, that was, I think it was the third game. So that was September 15th and against a shitty max yeah, one more, right? One interception the rest of the season, JJ McCarthy. So the rest is, you know, because the first three games, you know, people brought up, they played all these shitty teams at the beginning. That's when he had his one fucking bad game of the entire fucking season. The rest of the year, October, November, December, uh, January, he played 10 top 30 SP plus defenses. I, I actually pulled this up. I, I had to pull up some of these stats. So, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. J.J. McCarthy played – okay, so so I got two splits for you. He played seven defenses that finished top 20 SP+. plus. So this is after the Bowling Green game, of course, because yeah. the shooting non-conference. But the, the top 20 ones he played last year, Rutgers, Nebraska, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State, Iowa, and Alabama. Those games, McCarthy, 70% completions, 1,087 yards, 7-1 to TDI and T-rate, had 115 yards on the ground. Remember in college, the sack yardage gets taken away from yeah. you and a touchdown. If you expand a top 50 defenses, you add three more Michigan State, Minnesota, and the national title game against Washington. So 10 games against top 50 defenses, uh, 69.5% completions, 1,733 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, 12 to 1 TDINT rate, 171 yards on the ground, and three touchdowns. Under pressure grade, PFF, 90th percentile last year. Third and fourth down grade, 93rd percentile. Outside the pocket grade, the kid is a way better athlete he's given credit for. 76th percentile. Positively graded throws, 86th percentile. I will remind you, he played with one guy that was an above average pass catcher. One, Roman Wilson, who is the slot guy, whatever. He is so, it's just criminally underrated. And here's my theory for it. You have both the volume thing, but then here's the other thing. You have people in my industry that report what they hear, and they do. They have sources. They, they don't lie. But here's here's the problem with it. The, the people in the general public, I, I don't think, have a good understanding of this. When someone is in a building or they're a source, you know, this it's not just the NFL. It's with anything, um, a government source or, a, you know, whatever. And they're speaking to a reporter. You have something going on where they have built a rapport. They're sort of buddy, buddy, you know, whatever. You don't want to betray the trust on, you know, either side, whatever. But if you're the one who is giving the information, you don't give information that is against your prerogative. You only give information to the reporter that you would be okay disseminating, that would be good for you. 
if your team, let's say, um, let's say I, my name's Thor Nystrom, I am the lead scout for the Vikings, or or let's or let's oh, fuck. I'm going to give myself a better position. Let's say I'm I'm Quasi. I'm Thor. I'm the GM of the Vikings. And and so I hold the 11th pick in the draft right now. Kirk Cousins is a free agent. I don't have the the you know solution long term at quarterback. I fucking love JJ McCarthy. I fucking love him. And I've watched so much of Bonex. I know Bonex sucks. So I have a top 10 grade on JJ McCarthy. Bonex I have as a late third rounder, early fourth rounder. But I got this buddy. Um, I was about to say a name. I don't want to. I don't want to say a name because I don't want. Uh, I have a buddy working at ESPN who I know if I call him, he's going to report what I say. He's not going to say my name, but he's going to say I'm hearing from a high level blah 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 that you know whatever. He's going to more or less what I say. Do your if bidding. I te- yeah. Yeah. If why would I tell him? Oh, we fucking love JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy right. is a surefire. You would never do that. Who's no. the last name on earth that you would bring up to this? J.J. McCarthy. Right. You're not. If, if he asks you about J.J., oh, you know, yeah, we really haven't bad. seen yeah. him. Yeah, not too much, the, yeah. Who, who are you going to say you love? Bo Nix. Bo Nix, yeah. You love Bo Nix. Bo Nix is, 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 oh, man, is he polished. Man, have you seen Bo Nix? Bo Nix is a first-round guy all day long. Man, did you see 44-3 TDI and T-Ray? Did you see he completed 80% of his passes last year? Man, the polish. We talked to that kid down in Mobile. Man, is he mature. If we got a shot to draft Bo Nix, I don't even know if he'll be available to us. Now that, that you know, our intrepid reporter <laughs> yeah. goes and says, man, Bo Nix is for sure going in the first round. And in his mock draft, you know, he's got him, you know, 11 or 12 or like whatever. That's how this shit works. Okay, like I like I'm not like there. I mean, there's benefits to both approaches, whatever. I'm watching the guys over years. And then, I'm you know, I watch their like cut ups, whatever. It's my take. I'm not right about all them, whatever. But I'm not correct. No, yeah, doing the you know, like there's a prerogative of people that are telling you some of this stuff. And that's the one thing that I I would just put out there. And the and, and the whole short story long of why I just said that there's a reason I would forward that people aren't out there are not hearing as much about J.J. McCarthy at this point as they should be, why it's all quiet on the Western front, and it's because it's not the prerogative of those teams in the first round. I think in that alley of 11, 12, 13, maybe even 14, those teams that need the, that are outside the range of the top three yeah. but are just, you know, you're not going to tell one of them reporters that you love J.J. McCarthy. You're going to tell them you love Bonix and Michael Penix, who in no reality whatsoever should go in those picks, you know, unless their GM should get, you know, fired and arrested. You're, but you're not going to bring up JJ McCarthy because you you want him to be available there and you don't want any I team to it. know that you like him. I love it. We we let Mr. Thor Nystrom get his JJ McCarthy take all the way off. <laughs> uh, all the way off. There was uh there was no music interruption, no commercial break, no nothing. We just said wind him up, pull the string and let it go. I think I now know it, it, you like JJ McCarthy and you know the, I had a question on the show she was there was there an NFL uh you know the quarterback on the uh, uh, at the senior bowl his name was JJ McCarthy. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I every question I had about JJ McCarthy basically got answered. The one I would say, and you can answer this quickly, is what about the argument that says that his team didn't even trust him to really open it up 
Um, I think I already know the answer that you're going to give. So, but, but let's hear it. I, I at least have the respect to ask you because that's one of the things that's been the criticism is, look, they didn't even trust him to sort of open things up. They did every time they needed to. Right. Like, um, yeah. And you saw this against the good teams. They, they played in high leverage situations, right? Like, um, was one of the best quarterbacks and might've been the best on third and longs. His number third and longs ridiculous. You toss him fourth and longs, or I'm sorry, fourth downs ridiculous like that ridiculous in the red zone as well. But some of the different concepts that they had him do against elite defenses, you wouldn't ask other teams to do like that. uh, That one uh, trick play they did where they, um, when they eventually went to Roman Wilson against Alabama, remember when it, it was like that reverse and they got it back to him and then McCarthy's under duress and he just has to toss it up and ends up hitting Roman Wilson. I mean, th- th- you know, that plays different because it, it's a, you know, a, a trick play, whatever, but the, the different stuff that they had him do uh, stuff like that, what they, what he didn't, what wasn't in was uh was an air raid offense. It, it was just literally right. the volume. It's the constitution of the offense, but that's just yeah. the way that they played. Right. It's, it's the yeah. run to set up the pass. He only last point I'll make about this. People ding him for this, literally just accounting stat thing. It's, it's, it's a volume yeah, thing right. without yeah. ever going the other side of it and giving him the benefit of the doubt of saying when he was passing, it was invariably in these situations where it's, whether it's second and long, whether it's third and long. Known passing situations, right, yeah. Disadvantageous passing situations in an NFL-style system. There's no smoke and mirrors bullshit with uh, a mediocre at best receiving core. You did have the the one good receiver in Roman Wilson. Love Roman Wilson. But the other guys were not good. The tight ends were, you know, again, A.J. Barner's a blocking tight end. He's going to be a, you know, whatever. Uh, Loveland is okay. And then, you know, Corum was not, not a great receiver either. So, like, that's he, he and he was destroying in those situations, these disadvantageous yeah. situations, whatever, with not great talent around him was consistently getting, dominant in them. We're getting a little bit of the, the, the Brock Purdy story, right? I mean, you know, Brock was very similar, you know, and, and but passed all the tests along the way. I don't know, maybe J.J. has better raw uh, abilities or not. What do you think in terms of just like arm strength, things like that? Definitely does. Definitely yeah, does. Yeah. I, J.J. Yeah. was either really high four-star or or five-star. It, it was yeah. one or the other, but, you know, very high-level recruit. Obviously has, you know, he's, he's got the athleticism, but the arm is is very good as well. Um, we'll have to see what he ends up um, measuring in at. The last measurement I had for him, he a little bit on the skinnier side, but I last one I had was 6'3, 196. I I would imagine that he is gonna weigh in at over 200 at the combine. I mean, that's what he was looking at um in the playoffs, whatever. But yeah, I, I oh he didn't like measure a, in at the uh, senior bowl. No, wasn't at the senior bowl. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, it was uh Penix, Penix and uh, sorry Penix, Penix, Penix and Knicks and, were uh, and Knicks I, were there. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah. No, right. I, but, but I think I think McCarthy was a winner of the senior bowl just because, because Penix they weren't and, very good, right? Yeah. Yeah, Penix and yeah. Knicks, one of those two guys, if one of them blew up at the senior bowl, now you know that you, hurts you yeah. yeah, yeah, and you have a shot to, you know, whether it's compete with him, whether it's overtake, you know, however you want to put that for QB4. I, yeah. I think the performance of though, at least the way that I see it. There is a big gap for me between J.J. McCarthy and then for me, it's Penix is the next one at five. But like I have McCarthy is he's going to be top 10 on my board. 
I love yeah. J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, uh, that's Michael- right. He's a, he- yeah, he's a junior, of course. I apologize. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, I will be digging deep. I mean, he definitely had big numbers in terms of yards per attempt and completion percentage and all touchdown to interception. You know, all those things he he passed with flying colors for two seasons. So, yeah, here's uh, here's here's yeah, what I'm I would in. here's here's the last thought experiment that I want everyone out there to do when you that when you watch McCarthy and when you watch, let's say, Michael Penix. If you put J.J. McCarthy in the Washington offense with Kalen DeBoer and Grubb calling the plays, and now he has Roma Dunze, a top 10 wide receiver, and he's got McMillan, and he's got Polk, who are both going to be top four round receivers, maybe even even, even top three round receivers. You put all them there in a wide open offense, and you have a receiving back in Dylan Johnson, who is always on the field, whatnot, in this this super-duper quarterback-friendly offense. What kind of numbers, what kind of absurd numbers would J.J. McCarthy have put up? That's what you got to be thinking about with this. It, literally, the only thing he didn't have, it was volume, right? right? But like the per passing stuff was absolutely ridiculous. And in the context that it was done, he didn't have the playmakers that some of these other guys did. But he was still outperforming them on the, the per down stuff and in those high leverage spots. Yeah. Rock on. Unbelievable. Great show. We we could go forever. You you had some sort of heart out. I think you just soared past it. Yeah, you, fuck you it. gave you gave me all your time. <laughs> you gave the listeners all your time. I, I mean, if I didn't have a, a, a some sort of a limit on what I'm supposed to be doing here, I don't think I do. I we could keep, we just do another show. Let's do it again. Let's start <laughs> over right now. Hit the reset button. Hit it again. No, we're gonna we're gonna quit it. But um, Thor, tell everybody where they can find your work. I, I know people are gonna want to see your written work, especially because. You do such a great job of of delivering this time of year. Everything you're doing, please let the people know where they can find you uh, this offseason, please. Appreciate it, man. Um, always good to, to chop it up with you. I always have a good time. Um, you can find me on Fantasy Pros. Uh, all the draft stuff will be there uh, this process. Yes. We uh, Fantasy Pros YouTube, we, we had all of our uh, live shows from the Senior Bowl. If anyone wants to catch up on that, uh, yesterday we put up – had uh, a recap episode with with me, Derek Brown, and Joe Pisapia, where we um, interspliced some of the interviews that we did with with prospects, and then we're talking about some of the risers and some of the fallers, stuff like that. But it's kind of cool to then be able to to cut in some of the interviews that we did with them there. But yeah, on the website, that's where I'll be dropping all my rankings and, and scouting reports, and whatnot, during the spring and. Every spring it culminates with, uh, you know, around a week before the draft or whatever, dropping my 500-player uh, big board, the Thor 500 with 500-player comps. So that's, you know, what we always work towards every spring. Uh, excited yes. for that. And you can find me on Twitter at ThorKU. So come and say hi. Absolutely. Thor is one of those guys that's like a super fun follow because I'm a draft Nick. So he does break down the full draft, all positions, not just the, the glamour positions that we draft in our rookie draft. So if you're a real draft Nick – Go follow Thor on Twitter at ThorKU. You can find all of his work at Fantasy Pros, ThorNystrom.com. Thor is the man. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of the greatest podcast producer to ever walk the land, Mr. Michael P. Duncan, you have been joined by the Thor Nystrom. I am Jax Falcone. And we are out. Out.